Hello, Internet. This is Genius Cast with Scott and Mike. I'm Scott. He's Mike. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Scott? I'm wonderful. We're here to talk today about Season 4, Episode 9 of The Genius. As always, we'll be spoiling everything that's ever happened in any reality show. We'll have the results of Survivor Season 36 today as well. So if you don't want to know what's going to happen in two years on Survivor, don't uh, don't listen. Um before we started, I did want to do a, a shout-out to a couple of listeners we have in Europe. Actually, I was looking at the stats, Mike, and we have a lot more international uh, listeners than I thought. We have like I, 15% no. in South Korea. and We're uh, huge so. in Latvia. Huge. <laughs> yeah. Lat- Latvia, number one. Uh, but uh, I, I got a, a message on Facebook that a couple of our, our wonderful listeners uh, in Europe are, um, are listening to this podcast as they stroll around Vienna. So uh, um, I've been told it, uh, not to say that it's love, even though it, it kind of sounds like love. Um, not to say that, but I will say that if we have brought you together and you wind up having a child, it would be wonderful to name that child Scott, if it's a boy, and if it's a girl, Mika. So <laughs> that would be my advice. I, I love that suggestion. I'd say we're like Ashley Madison, but with actual females. <laughs> We have one more actual female listening to us confirm that than Ashley Madison had on, exactly right. on their site. So, uh, let's get into uh, episode 9. We have a special guest with us today. Uh, she is coming to us from San Francisco. She, uh, well, I don't need a big introduction. Shereen Askui, how you doing? Woo! I'm good. Chinguya! Chinguya! Is that gender specific? Did you just call us female friends? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know either. Well, I think that like only part of that word is actually friend, and then the either the ya or the guya part is like an added declaration. Yeah, chingu. The chingu part is friend. I don't know what okay. the ya is. I could, I could be like Kelman and call you mom, but I won't. I think you're a nuna though. I think you're I think you're older than I don't know. We're all about the same age. Yeah. Can you just call me Sunday? Nuna. Sunday. <laughs> what What have you done longer That's than right. us, Shireen? You put the bay in Sunday. Welcome. <laughs> Love you, babe. See, that's that's flattering, but not like you put the sun in Sun Bay. That's that's <laughs> that's really kissing ass. <laughs> so, Shireen, uh, how did you get into uh, uh, the genius? Why didn't you discover it in uh, like May and and June, like all the rest of us did? What was going on? I was on this super long uh, trip over the summer, and when I got back, I realized that. I was in the, this is what, like, you get this, no one ever talks about the survivor PTSD, but everyone has this PTSD slash addiction once they've played the show, and, or played on the show, and I realized that um, all of my Dirty 30 compadres and, and um, all the new friends that I may or may not have made um, were all living in this survivor bubble, and for my own mental health, I needed to break out of that bubble. Um, everybody in the, um, let's say, smarter Survivor fan community started talking about this show, The Genius, and I didn't even know that it was a Korean game show, and so um, I just went on YouTube, found it, got obsessed right away, and pretty much slammed through season one all the way up to date on season four in two weeks. Just think, if you had read like a different thread, you could be binging on episodes of Golden Balls on YouTube still. So I'm glad you came in this direction. You're better off. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that Golden Balls would have had the same like 
sustaining power that oh. that uh, the genius does. But it's good, it's good though for anyone who has not seen Golden Balls is listening to Me? this right now. You should Me, Google what it. What is that? Oh, it is a ridiculous backstabbing uh, British game show that is like Wait, listening really? every single week. Yeah, it, it's presented good. by Jasper Carrot. I, I don't know about that, but it says Golden Balls is a British daytime game show presented by Jasper Carrot. I don't know. They're amazing. Damn it! That was gonna be my porn name. Now I it's can't. A, it's a great show. I thought um, for sure you were just joking. I can't believe this is a real game show. No, it's real and it's fantastic. Um, we, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna end up hosting the Golden Balls podcast next time around. But well, um, we're gonna be out of genius pretty soon. That's oh, hopefully not. Uh, let's keep fingers crossed. The ratings are up and that there's gonna be a, a genius five. Ratings are off the charts. This this episode that just aired had the highest ratings all season. Um, actually, although I think I know why, because the second highest rated episode was episode three. So yeah, the the lull came in the same and free period of of the genius. I expect the spike for the finale when he's back again. Oh yeah, and I, we can talk about this a little bit more as we get going. But clearly, they just shoehorned Sangman into this episode. Like I'm sure that there was no plan to bring back uh, anyone from this season. But when Sangman was gone, it was like, yep. Take them back, whatever. Or any season. We're like, yeah, we don't need anybody back. Oh shit! <laughs> Call Sangman's agent. Get them in. Um, which is and, which is actually Sangman in a woman's voice. Whoa! <laughs> Sangman's <laughs> phone. <laughs> uh, Sky, you were joking about this when we were talking during the week, but you were just figuring they probably actually called Sungyu, and it was just that Sangman had stolen Sungyu's cell phone and was like, oh yeah, yeah, Sungyu can't come to the phone right now. What's that? Where should Sungyu be for this? It's all old players? Yeah, no problem. No problem. I'll be right there. That's okay. No, Nobody wants to see Sungyu again, right, Shireen? Sungyu Hubei! Yeah, I, I, he's not your Hubei unless you guys do... Well, I guess you do the same thing. You're on reality TV. All right, I'll give you... I'll give you Sungyu Hubei. You can have that one. But before we keep going, let's uh, let's give out some Twitter handles real quick so that people... Yes, know I, always, I always forget. Uh, I am at... Who is Scott Green? Mike is at Michael Botta, B-O-T-T-A. And Shireen is at the Shireen. That's T-H-E-S-H-I-R-I-N. Um, and uh, don't listen to anyone else's pronunciation of her name or you'll spell it wrong. It's actually not that hard to say, Shireen. <laughs> also, don't look it up on CBS.com or in anything. Right, somebody tell CBS. <laughs> so, oh, I, oh, that's right. They spelled it wrong on a, on a video. Is that right? Yeah, on like the fucking cast <laughs> announcement <laughs> Video. Oh, this is so the great. season 31 cast. Here With is Shanini. Oh, not, yeah, not only that, it should have been Shanini. And not only that, but like in PG's cast video on CBS, um, she's talking about aligning with like the young hot girls. And then, you know, so naturally they um, flash to Monica. And then I believe intending to flash to Kelly Wentworth, they actually show a photo of Jacqueline from season 29, because, you know, all those blondes, same fucking thing. But PG's not that young, right? Is she older than you now? Or not now. I guess she would have always been, but... Uh, always, yeah. It's just, it's just... Uh, yeah, she's 37, I believe. Yeah. Oh, that, well, that's awesome. And tr- they just have, like, someone who's on the back lot of Big Brother putting together the Survivor promotional material. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Dr. Will Kirby somewhere in a, in a shack, just editing. No, I think, I think it's Austin. I think Austin's putting it all together. Oh, God. I haven't even been watching Big Brother this season. All I know is I, I see on the internet that Austin is terrible. So yeah, I know you're not supposed to like read too much into like how people actually are based on how they're portrayed on TV, but I don't like him. So seems terrible. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what, what are we doing this podcast about? Oh, the genius. That's right. Yeah, the genius. Uh, episode nine opens as Jinho and Dongmin enter, and as in every episode, they make an alliance that you know is never going to last to the end of the episode. So. Yeah, it- 
I, this is something we've talked about before, but I'm always curious to get some sense of, like, how do they decide who's going to come in and when? Uh, I have some sense that it has to do with sort of, like, goosing the producers. Because if you go back to last season, in the last episode when they show you the clips of, uh, of Dongmin talking about Hyunmin and Hyunmin talking about Dongmin, there's, like, a cut scene where Dongmin's like, hey, next week I want to make a big offer to Hyunmin, and I want to do it, you know, like, at the beginning of the show. So I have some sense that, like, after each episode, you're allowed to, you know, talk to the producers and give them a hint, like, hey, if I happen to be there with so-and-so, then uh, I'll, you know, try to make a deal with them. But it does seem like Dongman almost always gets these good draws. Like, when, when he well, needs, when he's his back's against the wall, he has a chance to do some scheming up at the beginning of the episode. Like, I wish that I could, I wish I actually had, like, quantified data on this, because just, like, based on memory alone, it feels like Dongman is often one of the first couple people in there, because I can think of so many times where Dongman gets in there first with, like, any number of different people, and that's where he makes his big deal of the episode. Yeah, um, but I, I think it, it's it's changed a little bit by one of the, the big dynamics of the show, which is that they don't live in the in the genius house. Like, a lot of these people are communicating throughout the week. I'm curious if they hang out in the green room together before they go on set also. So I don't know how much how big a deal it is, or if, like, there's two of them out there uh, standing at the table, but the others are all in the green room together, so you got two having a conversation on camera and three talking off camera. So I, I guess, like, I'd have to know more about how they actually set it up to know if it's really unfair or not. Well, it's also um, possible that they're on lockdown. So, like, on the, the survivor equivalent of this would be that, like, uh, they're all in a room, they're all in a miserable hot tent right outside this mansion, um, you know, like, huddles on, you know, on a dirt floor, not able to talk at all with one another, and then they'll send them in in whatever order they want. Uh, but but uh, more of the, the survivor equivalent would be that, like, they're not allowed to talk when they're all there together in that green room outside. It, it might be that. I, I also think that we know that, like, in the week in between, they're pretty they're much free talking. to do whatever they yeah. want. So, they're on Kakao Talk. Yeah, exactly. They're on all of those fancy... <laughs> Have you ever seen Kakao Talk, by the way? This is another random aside for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm always on Kakao Talk all the time. I, I love uh, typing random Korean characters and confusing people. Korean chat apps are amazing. You can live your entire life within the context of the chat app. You can, like, do your banking on it. You can uh -huh. do your customer service. It's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. Oh. I've seen it, but obviously I don't. Yeah, I, I hear that uh, Sung Yoo was born in a chat app. Yeah, Absolutely. I believe it. That's true, yeah. I think I read that somewhere, so it's true. Um, so Jinho and Dong are going to work together. Uh, Kyung-hoon uh, is down to 11 garnets, but, I mean, that's good. He played him well the previous week. The only mistake he made was in opting to lose instead of win when he had the choice. Again, I've, I've said this before. Um, when you have a choice between winning or losing, win. What words to live by. Yeah. Even so. when you have a chance to definitely lose or definitely not lose... You go with definitely not lose. Yeah, I don't know if you listened to our podcast a few weeks ago when we talked about uh, the the poker game that wasn't poker. Um, seed uh, poker. Seed poker, where Kyung-hoon could have taken the last seed and not finished in last place for sure, and then we would have had this week's death match a few weeks ago. But like, right. as opposed to winning for sure, Junsak would have lost and probably would have picked Kyung-hoon, but still maybe would have picked Jung-moon, who had also betrayed everybody. So I... I the, Right. We'll talk. We'll get into Kyung Hoon and his his really lousy decision making and his his happy attitude about going to all the death matches. But we'll, we'll get to that in time. But he's yeah. down to eleven garnets. I think he had what twenty last week. He had more than twenty at one point, um, and he's got more now after the episode. But uh, now in come our guests. We have uh, 
Poong comes in from season one. We have Jongbum and, and Dewey come in. And, of course, Jongbum and Dewey then promptly leave or something because I didn't see them again all episode. Right. Uh, <laughs> Ayoung comes in. And, uh, finally, Bandit Young is revealed to be Lee Sangman. Ta-da! bring the hat. He should have brought the hat. Where's the hat? What are you doing? Bring the I hat. I was thinking the same thing. But also, let, let's just take a moment and note we went several episodes without him. It's just, it's nice to have him back. We all missed him. I love me yeah. some singing men. I'm just going yeah, to I, back. I was wrong when I eulogized him. I said, I don't think the season's going to miss that much. It's so chaotic, and now we can actually see the games played the right way. Nope, I was wrong. I'll eat that one. That was That's on me. It's better with Sangman. Yeah, and it's not like these were bad episodes. It's a fun show, but he makes everything better. The guy is great. Yeah, yeah. So, um, he's, and you, he's back. I mean, you joked yeah. about this, but truly, I mean, we can talk about this as we get through the episode. But, like, Jongbum, he was there? He didn't do anything. He just kind of stood there. He played the game, I guess. Entirely invisible. Doohee is only there to be made fun of. It's just consistent jokes about Doohee needing to lie down or to go... You lie down over there, Doohee, and cry a little bit? <laughs> you need a little bread? I need a bet, Doohee. Oh, poor Doohee. And they also made reference to, like, the, oh, little baby Doohee. Little tiny Doohee. Gonna rock you to sleep on my knee. Little tiny, <laughs> infinitesimally small Doohee. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, I loved Sangman singing Dewey, Dewey, Dewey. I love it. <laughs> and evidently, like Poong is famous. Like that's one thing I really want to get into now. What? How big of a deal is the genius in Korea? It seems like it's a reasonably big deal. But it it must be... be a huge deal because Jinho is now on like every TV show all the time. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Was... It's crazy that they got for this episode. They got the star of Take Care of My Fridge. That's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, Poong. Evidently, that's <laughs> <laughs> evidently that's a big show. Everyone couldn't get over it. As soon as he showed up, they were like, "Oh, it's, what fridge, was... it's fridge show celebrity Poong." Here what he was the movie that they kept talking about that? Yonju had been in, uh, like uh, Young Grandma or something. In throw, season three, what was Throw Mama from the Train? Was it Throw Mama? No, but it was it was something like it was like Young Grandma or something like that. And <laughs> and I kept thinking like this is this is a movie that that Tracy Jordan started on Thirty Rock. Like it's the exact same. Like like this is a real movie there. That's a big deal. And here it would be like an afterthought slight. Yeah, Werewolf Bar Mitzvah, spooky, yeah. scary. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, I I don't know. It's 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 just different over there. But say, despite the fact they have yeah. like like the most like make funnable show titles, they also gave us the genius. So it's it's definitely more than a wash. Like I think for, they're uh, they're winning. For people who weren't listening to this podcast before we started recording it, that is the second bar mitzvah reference that Shireen and I have heard in the last five minutes. It's true. I, um, no comment. Go on. <laughs> I, I was talking about how uh, my my wife and I uh, years ago danced at my well obviously years ago danced at my bar mitzvah so uh, yeah we 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 uh, it was it's very sweet. <laughs> well, it, like it, I mean, so the thing that I think about is like when you t- mentioned bar mitzvah, I was like, oh, you're Jewish, and then I'm wondering if like Scott's Jewish, and then it makes me think about how in the genius the like ethnicity I am, I am and Scott. races. Oh, sorry, you're Scott. Wait. Yeah. Yep. Oh, he's got. So, oh, okay. You're, Scott is Jewish, so you were right. When Scott yeah. mentioned his bar mitzvah, you were right to think that Scott might be Jewish. Nailed it. Right, and the other one is Mike Bada. Yep, that's me. All right. This is so embarrassing. It's my first time <laughs> meeting you guys. Uh, wait, I don't so, know. Yes. Okay, if, so... If, so anyone with superior intelligence would have uh, would have put that together, so don't don't feel bad. It's, it's true. I've, I've got so much to work up to. No, but it made me think about, like, the. Uh, I'm just going to keep walking. I'm going to keep talking. Uh, how in Korea the ethnicities and the races seem to be so um, homogeneous. Like there just seems to be, like, well, religion is never talked about. So presumably they're all 
a similar religion or religion is not a big deal there. They all seem to be the same ethnicity except for Dr. What's Yoon his Sung. Face? Yoon Sung, thank you. Um, yeah, I think Sangman converted them all to Scientology, so... <laughs> is he a Scientologist? No, I, I have no reason to think that. Oh, okay. But if he was, if he was, would you be surprised? Like, you'd be like, yep, yep, I can see that. Seems reasonable. It's true. Um, I would think it was reasonable, but I would still be... I would still want to look into it, you know? I want him to sign a billion-year contract with the Genius Org. That's what I want. <laughs> he has to be on all billion seasons of the Genius. <laughs> um, but... So why you say that, though, something that's interesting to me about that is that you can see it play out in the way that they have come up with other things with which to distinguish themselves, like blood type comes up a lot. Or what right. type of men are you? Which type of men are you, exactly. So it's interesting. They're still looking for ways to find community within the fact that, like, pretty homogenous society. Yeah, and not only that, but they also, um, they talked about the doctor looking different all the time. Yeah. Like, they made jokes about that. That's right, apocalypse. <laughs> that was what it was. That was, yeah. That, hmm. that would not... You talk about differences between the eventual American version of the genius and the Korean version. That's probably not going to fly in the American version. Well, no, but maybe... Perhaps, perhaps instead they would say that he had no soul. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> yeah, that's that's totally cool to put on TV. That's fine. Um, all right. So, and uh, we, we'll talk about a little bit about uh, you and, and Will Sims later when we get into to Dongman and some of the things he said. Um, that I think a lot of our listeners may may not know about, so uh, we'll we'll compare and contrast. But if you're a big Dongman fan, uh, let that be a little bit of a of a foreshadowing for what's coming up later in this podcast, unless we forget. Okay, so uh, we get our our intro. It's the first uh, good lead into the intro we've had in a few weeks, where we have uh, Sangman. Uh, I guess maybe that's the reason. It's just that Sangman's there, and uh, we come back to learn about Horror Race Two. So uh, if you recall Horror Race One. The five characters are moving uh, uh, zone by zone to get to the finish line, and depending on the, when the two that you've picked finish, you get you get points. Um, each player gets gets five gets one of each of the five different characters. You put you pick two that you're playing for, or who who will be your characters, and the other three you put in the drum. And as the uh, as the characters are pulled out of the drum, they they move uh, across the board. Mike, you want to get into it in more detail than that? Sure, just a couple little things, like there are some additions this time around, so you can piggyback, so if you land on top of a space where somebody already is, and you can ride on top of them whenever they're moving, and there are puddles, so if you come up across a puddle on the game board, you have to stop there until the next turn. Yeah, um, although if you land on a puddle with, uh, like, a one, and you wind up, you have the two also, then you can move on, or if you, you wind up on the puddle and you piggyback on, then you can move as, the, as your r- piggyback ride moves, so it just stops you for that one, uh, for that one move. Um, also, another another change from last time to this time. Last time, the three squares were for one space, two spaces, and four spaces. Now the the squares are for one space, two spaces, and three spaces. So yep. that's another change. And um, they took out the they took out the magnet trick. So if yep, folks were going to find the magnet trick this time, it's too late. No more fussy dongmen shaking the different weights to try to figure out what's what. But, but they the are mummy is slightly larger than the others. Yeah. Yep. Um, and one other thing, so this is not about the rules, but it is to say, if you love Horror Race and you can't get enough of it, and you speak Korean, and you live in Korea, the genius of the board game has come out in Korea, and it is Horror Race. It so, is. And, and Mike, you are helping me track down a copy? We're, at some point, Scott and I will both have copies of this game. We're going to make it happen, and we'll we'll keep everybody posted. At some point, yeah. I will show up at Scott's house, and we will play Horror Race. And, we and you'll will, periscope and it. 
Oh my god, totally. <laughs> well, I had a, a game night with friends on Saturday, and we played uh, we played Resistance and Resistance Avalon, which are basically the the jury game from season three, and yep. it was absolutely awesome. Um, we can talk about that later too if we have if we have time, but I, I suspect we're going to run out of time eventually tonight. But um, <laughs> just just a blast to play Genius at home. It's it's really fun. Oh, cool. Um, so. Yeah, we, we did that we in New York not too long ago, so a bunch of the R Hat patrons got together with Miles, uh, former podcast guest Miles and I, and we played, gosh, what did we play? A bunch of games. We played Two Booms in a Room, which was used in Season 1 for the game where Sung Yu was the burglar, and you basically had to take turns trading him back and forth across rooms. It's a good yep. time. Another worthwhile game that you can buy in stores from the genius. I think it's a better version. Two two Rooms in a Boom, is, a, is from what I've read, sounds like a better version of... Uh, of the burglar game, but um, anyway, we, we have our guests uh, who are also playing. They're playing for nine million won. Is that it? South Korean won. Is that the currency? But essentially nine thousand dollars U.S., which again seems like a pretty small prize for a celebrity who's big enough to appear on. Take care of my fridge. So uh, I, I'm sure they get like a big appearance hey, hey. as well. What if? Oh no, I was gonna say. I was gonna say what if cost of living is low there, but it, but Seoul has one of the highest cost of living in the world, right? Yeah, I I don't think it's cheap. I I don't think uh, I don't think nine grand is changing anyone's life on the show. But uh, again, I'm I'm sure they're they're getting paid just to be there. Um, you know, you you can't you can't leave someone else's fridge for uh, for a full day for nothing. Mm. <laughs> that's right. You got to make your way through there and make some exciting meals. That's that's TV. You got to do it. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, like I know we always just Bumdi always just puts the uh, whatever the amount is in Juan. She just. You know, I guess what divides by a hundred and then puts it in USD. Yeah, by yeah by a thousand. Yeah, it's actually it's like seventy five hundred bucks, nine thousand or nine million won. So still a decent it's amount of money. It's close enough. Yeah. It's it's the right it's the right order of magnitude at least. Right. You know. <laughs> I'll take it. I would love it if she had like up to the minute currency conversions on there, like powered by xe.com, and just pumped it up. I I mean this is another random aside, but I wish that Bumble. We don't allow those on this podcast. Yeah. Take advertisements, have a PayPal donation link, Bumby. We want to give you money. This show is great. I will throw you a couple of bucks for doing this. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't want to suggest that because uh, I'm going to be broke very soon if I if I pay Bumby what I think the service is worth. But Wouldn't it be uh, amazing, though, if Bumby, like, right before the last episode is like, oh, I'm going to need a little incentive to really translate this last episode, you guys. I don't know. This envelope's a little bit too light. I'm going to need some PayPal donations well, he, to make he gets, this work. He gets a kickback from the ads that are shown on Daily Motion. Not for me. I have ad. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yes. Uh, uh-huh. I don't have ad blocker. Uh, I also have watched ads on the news. Ad blocker. Hmm. Mm, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't bother. <laughs> I'm right, actually, so, I'm actually not allowed to have ad blocker because I work at a company that has ad products. Hmm. Even on your personal computer at home, it's like a like a conduct policy thing. Oh, I mean, I don't have like I essentially don't use my personal computer. I just use my like I'm on my work laptop right now. Hey. All right. So uh, we've got the everybody draws for their order. Uh, the order is Junsak, Kyunghoon, Jungbum, Dewey, Ayoung, Pung, Jinho, Sangmin, Hyunmin, and Dongmin. I just said ten Korean names that uh, I never had heard of as of a few months ago, and now that actually means a lot to me. Uh, so the players uh, get their get their coins. Dongmin immediately sees that the mummy is the biggest one. Um, I mean, it, it, he's barely got him in his hand before. He's like, oh, yeah, this one's bigger than the others. Yeah, and they flash on screen, like, how big they actually are, like, the diameters, just to point out that he's a ridiculous person. And he's no, I mean, it was, like, it was, like, half a centimeter, right? It was, it's, it's certainly the, 
the producers knew that all the players were going to know about this. It's 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 part of the game that that there's one of of these uh, symbols that the players can identify. And do you pick that one? Do you pick a different one? Um, in a time of need, you can find it and put it here or there, depending on on what you want to do. So it winds up backfiring eventually on Kyung Hoon and Junsak because they picked it so they could find it and put it where they wanted it. But instead, because they're so late in the order, the early players can find it and dispose of it in the one space zone. So. Yeah, I do think it's worth pointing out that, like, one of the big, uh, because of that change specifically in the game, a difference between this version and the first version is that there, like, I felt like last time there was a bigger advantage to simply to going at the end, and this time they evened out the advantages, the advantages across going at the beginning versus going at the end. So it seemed, yeah. it seemed more advantageous this time to go in the beginning rather than the end. Yeah, well, it also worked out that like the, it just so happened that the larger coin was chosen by by three right. people, none of whom were the target were, were supposed to win based you know according to the alliance that was in control of those early positions. So it all worked out in that way, but it's not it's not necessarily going to play out that way. But I, it's certainly deliberate that you can tell what you know which coin is the mummy and which one isn't. So um, you know I don't I. Dongma notices immediately, but they were all going to figure that out. These players at this point, at this season of the Genius, are all looking for this sort of thing, and this one's just too obvious for anyone to miss. Right. So, um, uh, Ah Young, Poon, and Sangmin all pledge their loyalty to Kyunghoon separately, <laughs> which we'll later find out uh, was totally heartfelt, and there was nothing sinister behind that at all. Uh, let's see, Kyunghoon, uh, Kyunghoon even says, hey, Look, if I were Sangman, I would have wanted revenge, but Sangman is forgiving. It's a good man. It's a good man, that Sangman. Loyal to a fault. Never does anything surprising on the genius. You no. can always count on anything he tells you. And I, I know we'll get to this as we progress in the game here, but if Sangman had been the winner for the returning player side, what are the odds that he actually <laughs> splits the money with Ah Young and Poon? No, I, th- I think he would have. I... I think he still would, because like in real life, he was screwed over, right? That's true. I guess this is actual money as opposed to in-game currency or right. At that point, the game is over, right? Like if yeah, that's true. If there was something where you couldn't split the prize and they were planning for a joint win, I could see him like taking the solo win instead. But yeah. once the once the game is over and the prize is awarded, it's no longer the game, and then he's just being an asshole. So I I do think that he would have he would have given it away. But hey, but I he's agree. Got, had he's it, got bills had to pay, Scott. Sangman's yeah, got bills to pay. He didn't have a TV show about searching through people's refrigerators. The man needs money. Well, I think uh, I think Sangman's going to be on the season premiere next season of Take Care of My Van, so. <laughs> as well as the season premiere of The Genius because he's on every season. <laughs> That's what I keep saying. Like, if the show's back, Sangman will be back. So don't worry, you'll see Sangman again. Um, Hyunmin uh, will Hyunmin will work with Kyunghoon because he doesn't care about what happens with Dongmin. Then we see him go talk to Dongmin, and Dongmin's like, "Yeah, Hyunmin is against me. I don't trust him." Like, I, he immediately this guy he's worked with. His entire time on the Genius, who's never betrayed him, who's never gone behind his back, and the first inkling Hyunmin has of, well, eh, I'll screw over Dongmin. Dongmin's like, oh, that Hyunmin, I know exactly what he's up to, and he's right. Damn it. Well, also, like, it, I mean, Hyunmin, when he was talking to him, and again, I didn't know, I don't know if this is just because, like, we knew at that point where his loyalties really lied, but like, he wasn't even making eye contact. He didn't even sound committed to Dongmin. It sounded like he was just like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, totally, I'm with you, yeah. Dongmin is an amazing reader of people, and Hyunmin is like 21 years old, so he doesn't stand a great right. chance against. I mean, he's a he's a really sharp kid, but yeah, the the human right. lie detector is going to figure him out. Yeah, yeah he, he's great at reads. It also reminded me of 
to make a Survivor reference, Heroes versus Villains, when Amanda goes up to Parvati and is like, yeah, yeah you're going to need to play your idol. Uh, we're definitely voting for you, and you should really play the idol on your That side. was a worse lie than Hyunmin, though. Hyunmin <laughs> no, lied better no, than no, 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 no. See, I actually, I think it's a great comparison, because I think, I think one, you have, like, it, you have Dongmin and Parvati who know really well the person that they're talking to, and then on the flip side, you have Hyunmin, Hyunmin and Amanda who are both terrible, terrible liars anyway, and <laughs> that combination... It was just yeah. bound to fail. Yeah, so two people with just strong perception who are able to use it when it counts. It it comes in handy for them time and time again. Dongmin's good at spotting this stuff, and it doesn't hurt that Hyunmin's a pretty shitty liar. Yeah, yeah Dongmin has incredible, um, incredible interpersonal reading abilities and also incredible confidence. I mean, he picks up on something like this, and he's he's dead certain. And he's has he been? I mean, can you recall a time when he was wrong about something like that? Maybe in the constellation game where he thought a little bit too long that he had more people on his side. Is that the? I mean, can you think of another example of of Dongmin misreading someone he was playing with or against in a situation like that? Is it, uh, I'm trying to. Is a constellation where they do the everyone against Dongmin and Hyunmin strategy? Yeah, it was like the five people against Dongmin and Hyunmin. Yeah, it was the only yeah. time that that I think he, that yeah, I can recall that he misread. He, the intuition's solid. He's also great at screaming. So if you if you betray him, he will yell at you very effectively. Yes, he will, and he makes silly faces. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so we see Sangmin, Poong, and Ayong make a deal. This is separate from them going up one at a time to Kyunghoon, and we're, we're yet to find out what the content of that deal is. And Hyunmin explains his plan. He's going to pick a Vampire so that he can have one of the same things as Kyunghoon and help him, and he's going to pick the Jiangshi to help Dongmin, uh, so he'll have one of Dongmin's things, so that neither side will, will know that he's playing the middle. And... Of course, everybody figures it out anyway. Because uh, do you have do you happen right to have the col- the colors of the different icons? I do. I do. The vampire is red and the Jiangshi is blue. The gummy ho, which didn't even get on the board, was yellow. The mummy is white and the zombie is green. Great. Yeah, there you go. You write that down. I did actually. It'll help me keep it straight wow. as we talk through this, just because. Very good. And I. Yeah, those words I are complicated. Episode two, we actually looked up what a gummy ho and a jingshi is, and I can't remember, and I also don't care anymore. So yep, same. I remember one was like a worse version of a zombie, or like a better. And one was a worse version of a woman. Was that like it was like it was like a you're the evil woman. Was that the gummy ho? No, it was something like that. It was something where we were like, yeah, that wouldn't. Another thing that won't come make it over the American version. Great. Not great. The gummy is the yellow one. That's like a cat octopus. Okay. I got a screenshot of them in front of me. I've got a screenshot of what everybody picked. Does it help me follow the episode? Yes. Uh, yeah. When they when they put up the screen of like what everyone had picked, I thought about taking a, a picture with my phone of it. But I, oh. Oh, Shireen's holding it. I can see it. I can. Oh, oh. there it is. Oh. Nice. Wow. For, Very yeah. good. We have the we have the same idea. Your <laughs> minds think alike. All right. But All yeah, right. So for everyone following along at home, just so you remember, vampire was red. Shangxi was blue. Gummy ho yellow. Mummy. Is white. white and zombie is green. Yeah. You forgot the mummy. Yeah, that's the one that's the most obvious too, because they say. Yeah, it that's the only one that's like the color the thing actually is. Yeah. All right, but now we're good. Everyone knows Jinxies aren't blue. All right. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Ha ha ha. All right, so uh, round one, um, we're going to move the vampire ahead two spaces. We're going to move the Jinxie ahead three spaces. The one space uh, uh, panel 
uh, we have a three-way tie with one chip apiece for the mummy, the zombie, and the vampire. So nothing's going to move there. And Kyung-hoon uh, gives up his his turn so that he can go last in round two, which is something we didn't see the first time this game was played. Yoan eventually gave up his turn when it was when it was too late, but the other players didn't seem to realize the importance of controlling the last the last few. Um, the last few picks. And part of that, that that's different also is the way the teams are set up and the, the incentives for the players because in in this match, we have two groups of five people from which uh, each from each group one person is going to win. But the way it works out, from the player's side, two of the five players are going to get the, the token of life. And on the returning player's side, there's a deal that three of them are going to share the money together. So uh, ultimately what happens is you get five people who are all incentivized to work together. Whereas in episode two... Um, you're, there's really the way it's set up as a garnet match. There's really most likely only going to be one or maybe a couple winners. There's not a great way to have a huge group win the game. So um, you don't have the same uh, the same block of players working together, which is a, another major dynamic change between that version and and this version. Oh yeah, and you can also point out that everyone has seen this game be played. So this was episode two, episode three, first time around. At that point, it's already aired, so everyone who's still in the game has played it, and everyone who is a guest has already seen it. So you can tell that it helped. People understand the game a little bit better. They know that skipping is actually valuable. They know not all to pick the same exact things, and that plays out in a more effective game. But speaking of that, the, the choosing of the characters seemed a little bit more chaotic. Like It seemed like when Sangmin, Aeyang, and Poong all came together and compared notes... Like, it was as if they had all randomly chosen which two characters they were going to back and then came together afterwards to compare and then realized that they all picked Vampire, which was a disaster, and they had to come up with some alternate plan. Like, yeah. No, you're definitely right about that. Why didn't they distribute? Like, there are five things, six people. You could have come pretty close to everyone having a totally different combination. Yeah. And they instead just said, like, eh, whatever. Just let's not all pick the exact same things, but then let's also not talk about it. That's not the best way to do this. But the fascinating yeah. thing is that of the five current players, they all did pick different combinations of things, and I think that happened seemingly randomly. Yeah, um, all the all the gummy hoes wound up on the returning player side. Um, yeah. yeah, all the all the mummies wound up on the active player side. So there were, I mean, but you'd, ex- I mean, if this were a random sample, you would expect that sort of overlap as well. But it shouldn't be a random sample. It should be more deliberate and more thought out than that. Um, yeah. So. Anyway, uh, the players, uh, we go to round two, uh, Jongbum uh, gives up his turn. Oh, okay, so we, may, we have a second Jongbum sighting in the episode. I'm like, who? Gives up his turn. Yeah, I mean, I, how did they pick these these five people to be the ones to come back? Like, They who, even made a joke about it. They were like, oh, it's like they picked the random like random people from each season rather than the winners from each season. Well, we They're got like, the two cartoonists. Players. Well, we have all the winners, right? Because all the, all three winners well, are, but... Right, we but I mean... We have all the cartoonists. We have... All the I youngs, uh, but yeah, it, it was exactly. It's not. It's not exactly like they picked the biggest characters oh, yeah. or it was the survivor Caramon of Virginia yeah. season forecasting. Thank you. Great comparison. I love Hello. it. Are these? Um, I mean, do you think these were like the next four players who missed the cut to be on season four? No. So I I actually I think that I young probably I was on their short list. I think Dewey yes. was too. I think Dewey was as well. Dewey would make sense, but like Jongbum, why would anyone want to see him again? He was super right. boring. Yeah, he didn't he didn't do much, but I, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's on uh, Take Care of My Washing Machine and he's a big hit. No. Well, I also, know. I would think that the um, that woman 
who lost monorail to Dongbin. Yongju, thank you. I ha Yongju. How do you how yes. do you remember that? Because I just I just uh, Michelle and I uh, finished season two, and uh, I just showed her like the teaser for season three to get her really excited to watch it, which she's not. Um, and uh, yeah, she was like, "Ah, I'm Ha Yunju." I was like, "All right, it's fine." It's not <laughs> as good a name as Oh Hyunmin, which I, I just love. It's not, it's like a, like the Oh Henry candy bar. Like uh, <laughs> you know, I'll have a Snickers and I'll have an Oh Hyunmin, please. That's right, the Irish folk song Oh Hyunmin, the classic. <laughs> uh, so uh, in uh, yeah round two, Jongbun gives up his turn. Uh, let's see. In in towards the end of the round, uh, Jun Seok and Kyunghoon have a chance to uh, to to put a tie up on the the three square and decides not to because he does not want to win the game again. Now this is this is one of Kyunghoon's uh, bedrock principles on the genius. Uh, Try your best not to win games because then you can't play these fun death matches. That they have. <laughs> That's right. When in doubt, make sure you lose. Just lose whenever he, possible. He could I'm have taken an extra three spaces. I mean, he, you know, again, you're you're trying to avoid the death match, and if he, his concern is that he's made an alliance with Jun Seok and he's got an alliance with Hyunmin. So if he wins the game, he can only give one of them the token of life, and that exposes the other one. the The problem with this is that by trying to lose, first of all, he's counting on getting the token of life. That if Hyunmin wins, for example, it's not going to Dongmin, which I would be a little concerned about, regardless of what Hyunmin has told me. Um, and, uh, you know, you just, you're not sure what... You, you want to win the game yourself. Don't count on someone else living up to the promise, because you've seen how many times on this show, just because you have made promises to two different people, someone else probably has made promises to you and to someone else. Maybe Jun Seok has also promised something to Jinho. I, I don't know. You don't know. Just take the token of life, win the game, and then later you worry about if someone is upset at you for it. But you yeah. got to win the game. And, and what he does like, wind up costing uh, him, putting him out of position for the win. It seemed like uh, early jury management. It, it's too early here. He should just try to win this game. There's never a right time for jury management on the genius. I mean, you, you have to get... On Survivor, uh, jury management is, is essential. You can't win the game unless you have a good relationship with the jury because you need a majority of them to vote for you to win. But on the Genius, first of all, you could win even if even if the, the jury or the eliminated players heavily favor your opponent. But there's also the stronger sense of fairness that, at least in seasons one and two, compelled the jurors, when in doubt, to pick the player who had had less support to that point. So if you're really upsetting people, first of all, they still might want you to win. We've seen many instances, and at the end of this episode, again, another instance of someone who wants to help the person who got them out. Um, yeah. But but aside from that, you're you're still the biggest deficit we've seen was was what eight to three uh, last season, and I think that's the the serious outlier. Um, I think most of the time the biggest deficit you're going to have is going to be like seven to five, just because towards the end those players are are more likely to err on the side of evening things up and not being responsible for for putting the finale out of alignment. So I don't I don't think jury management is that big a deal as long as people like you personally. Uh, I mean, even Sangman got six of the tokens his his season that he won, so I, I don't think it's that big a deal. What do you think, Shireen? Yeah, I was going to say that it actually reminds me a lot of Ozzy in South Pacific, where he specifically asked his tribe to vote him out so he could go to Redemption Island and win the challenge and come back in, and it was just like, it's not like that, you know, it's, it's not worth it. Why would you do that? Like you yeah. never know, what, you just don't know what the challenge is going to be, and you don't know how much luck is going to play a part. That's a great analogy, yeah. I mean, let Cochran take his chance. I mean, in the, in the South Pacific analogy, let Cochran take his chance, and if Christine comes yeah. back from Redemption Island, then you've got a great good chance to woo her over as opposed to the people uh, who had voted her out. So Right. 
And as it turns out, it, like it was bad for everybody that they didn't just let Cochran go to Redemption Island, right? For many, many. I mean, Cochran would have flipped if he'd come back, so he was right. gone anyway. I mean, but but yeah, for a lot of reasons. That'll be our that'll be our uh, Survivor South Pacific podcast that we're doing. Uh, right. Mike, when do we have that on the schedule? I think between six and seven a.m. today. That's what we're recording. <laughs> right. That's outstanding. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, Hyunmin notices that that Kyunghoon has done this, and he he goes right back to Dongmin to be like, "Hey, it's it's still you and me, right? We're still we're still good, like you and me, Dongmin and Hyunmin, my buddy." And Dongmin's like, "Yeah, all right." And then he he tells us like, "Come on, I'm Dongmin. I know what's going on here." <laughs> yeah, I and then we've talked about this, right? So it's it's fifty percent Dongmin's incredible intuition, fifty percent like Hyunmin. Come on, it's pretty obvious what you got going on here. Yeah, Hyunmin's. Hyunmin's been kind of MIA this season. When we've seen him, he's been more of a doofus than he was last season, for sure. He's yeah, I, It's well, not I, an episode where folks want to get out of Dungman's shadow, but they're going about it in like a pretty clear, aggressive way. Like they're, they're kind of steering clear of him until they feel desperate about wanting to work with him. Well, I mean, I do think that the kinds of challenges that we've seen this season haven't been the ones that Hyunmin and even Jinho typically shine on, right? Like I'm thinking of like season one, open pass, five and five game. Where, or even like the dice game in season two, something where an, like an underdog individual can like figure out the trick and then you know and then win. Um, yeah. I think that's really where where Hyunmin shines and where you get to see him thinking more strategically. And he's not as good with this like social alliance type stuff. Um, and uh, and the other thing I was gonna say is that like I did think that. I don't think that Hyunmin was Hyunmin out to screw over Dongmin necessarily because I thought he was just trying to float somewhere in the middle and Dongmin was like, nope, he's gonna screw me. I'm not gonna let it happen. And he <laughs> took like a much more dogmatic, dogmatic. Yeah. Dogmatic. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, part of it. Uh, right, but I, th- I think Hyunmin. It's not that he like wants to get Dongmin out necessarily, but yeah. he wanted to work on the opposite side and he he wanted to trick Dongmin. Like that was the idea. Was he was gonna make Dongmin think he was. He was fully loyal to Dongmin when he wasn't, which, uh, you know, that's what Dongmin is is pushing back against here. I don't think Hyunmin is is rooting for Dongmin to leave. I don't think he'd he'd mind terribly if uh, if a strong player were eliminated. Um, right. But I I think it's more a matter of like nobody lies to Dongmin. Like now I'm coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody puts Dongmin in a corner. So um, after two rounds, the Jiangshi is uh, two spaces away from the first puddle. The Jiangshi has moved four spaces. The zombie has moved three spaces, and the mummy is piggybacked on top of the vampire at, at two spaces out, and Gummy Ho is yet to leave the station. So in round three, Dewey surrenders. Um, the zombie uh, scores a one and piggybacks on the Jiangshi, which moves two to the puddle. The mummy moves three and is one space behind. In round four, Ah Young gives up her, her uh, turn. Uh, we have a tie on number one. The mummy goes two spaces and piggybacks on the zombie Jiangshi amalgam. I think that's what's interesting about the puddles is it's like a it's a shortcut to for like a loser to piggyback onto a winner to get further. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. I didn't really pick up on that until the game actually started, like how that would play out. But that does end up being the way it works. So if you're far ahead, you're gonna have to stop there and in most circumstances, and then someone's gonna be able to ride you. You know, as far as they possibly can. Yeah. What do you, Shireen? What do you think of the rule change this time versus uh, episode two? Do you, do you like the piggybacking and do you like the puddles? I love both because I think that it, um, 
it makes the game more interesting. It gives more of a chance to it gives more of a chance for losers to catch up and, and win. I think it makes the game a lot more fluid rather than having clear victors. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's an improvement. Do you think it would have worked to add to put these rules in for episode two, or do you think that you have to play the game without these things to have a good enough understanding of it to play it with these rules? No, I mean it depends. Like when when they did it before, did they have a secret practice round that they didn't show us? Or did, I mean, or did they have a real practice round that they did show us that I don't remember? I don't recall. I don't think so. But but um, they didn't they show do- it on the on the show. They may have done it, but they did not show one during the episode. Because I feel like a practice round would get the point across alone. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it would have worked out. I, I do feel like people really didn't understand the power of giving up your coins or whatever in the first round to go to go at the end. And I felt like the first time around they played that that was a much more important part of the game. Um, that the people who went at the end of a round dictated more who won, who won that round and, and what movements were made. And and that was one of the big differences from last time. Like, last time they discussed it, people, when they had their strategy conversations, they recognized that skipping your turn could be a valuable tool. They just didn't really do it. It seemed like people got so flustered when they realized that they were all basically playing for the same pieces and there weren't enough to move that plans went out the window. Well, and the one, uh, whichever piece Sangman had that that was just flying across the board and got through in three turns. Like, before you had a chance to even figure out what was happening, like, the game was over. You know, you had you had essentially two rounds to figure it out because in the third round when the game ended, that was the first time Yohan uh, gave up his turn. But someone would have had to have done it in the first round or the second round to have had any effect whatsoever on the outcome. So by that point, it was already uh, it was already too late. Right, and it's just not interesting seeing somebody dominate or dominate like that, which is why I think the puddles are a great addition. Yeah, so I, I agree. I think this is a, a better version of horror race. Um, the the one uh, well, I don't know that it's a downside necessarily. I guess I guess it, it happened last time to a greater extent, but just the idea that you can kick off the piggybacker and then move your your pieces all the way ahead. Although uh, maybe I just didn't like that because it worked out to Kyung Hoon's detriment. I don't know, but. Um, uh, this might also be a good time to talk about the uh, the fairness or unfairness of having five people unaffiliated with this season of the game, or or who at least are not currently playing for the prize, coming back and having such a big outcome uh, socially in terms of like handpicking who's going to win and who's going to lose. Uh, well, we see this every single season, and the funny thing is, I think every season we see season one wins out, right? Like they favored Sangmin in season two. Um, well, I guess season three is a wash, but this time, like, you know, Jinho was fake. They wanted Jinho to win, and, like, ultimately he did. Uh, well, season three, you've got you've got the dynamic that, like, there's only two returning players coming back, and they both have a much stronger incentive to play for themselves as opposed to picking a winner amongst the other players. But I thought, I mean, even though I liked the outcome in season two with, uh, with the layoff game, I thought that was totally unfair that, like, this one guy who's on your season, all his friends are coming back, yeah. people he's played with. I, again, happy with the outcome of it, but it was that was a bad decision, and I felt the same way here, that, like, you're, you're bringing back two people who feel totally betrayed by Kyung Hoon and some other people who are largely indifferent, but, like, those two people carried the day in making sure Kyung Hoon got into big trouble. I, I Mike, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, you can also look at it as we had three of the five, three people who have played with Dong Min... Uh, I guess a similar number who have played with Jinho. Well, no, th- three of them had, 
Yeah, aside from Junsak, uh, three of them had played with each of these guys. I mean, you, uh, Sangman was on this season already, so he's played with everybody. Yeah, I, I'm saying, like, so let's rule out, out Sangman, right? So then we have... Jongbum and Ayoung played in yep. Season 3, so they played with all the Season 3, three players. One Season 2 Hung, person. One Hung season played two. with Junsak for an episode, and yep. yeah, and, and Dewey played with, uh, with Jinho. So, um, yeah, I mean, aside from... Uh, aside from Junsak, they all played with three, and Junsak played with two. So I don't know that that was vastly out of whack, but it's just the the casting choice. I mean, you're you're bringing back uh, Kehoun's girlfriend, Ayoung. Right. Well, I actually, I do I do think that there's a point to be made about Junsak and uh, Kehoun in that they were both early boots in their original seasons, which means that they didn't get the time to develop as deep of relationships with the other people the way that the other people remaining in the cast did. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, I I'm happy. Like, I again, I, I'm not quite sure why why Jongbom was there. Like, Pung, I guess I kind of understand if he's a big deal over there. Um, Ayoung makes sense. She she was a standout from her season. Um, right. You know, Sangman is is an obvious choice. Dewey, I mean, he didn't do anything, but to, uh, in this episode, but he was a big enough character from season two. Um, but I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't like that they get to come back and have such a big effect on the outcome, especially this deep into the season where, like, if you're picking a loser, right, like, you're also, and you're picking a winner, like, you're, you're, you're cutting it down to only three people who can get eliminated, and, and that just seems like too much control to give people who otherwise don't really have a stake. I mean, maybe if you had a rule like you have in, like, all the American shows for the, for the winner that you can't split the prize, uh, that whoever wins the, the nine million won, um, can't, can't share it with anybody, and that's a rule that, like, they understand and they'll, they'll abide by. That changes it, because now the incentives are different for the players, but um, yeah. short of that, I, I, I didn't like this. I, yeah. yeah, so I, I guess the point that I would make there is I totally agree with you. It is, it's completely unfair. Right? Like, I don't even think that's debatable. It's unfair. However, at the end of the day, it's a TV show, and it makes for great TV. I'm not sure about that. Um, Mike, can you confirm that this is a TV show? <laughs> uh, as far as I understand, it's an internet show that is only brought to us because they used to have people on StarCraft playing it. And so it gets subtitled. So. I believe I believe Bum Diddleyumptious uh, hand animates every cell of the genius. <laughs> it's in the off season of, of uh, The Simpsons. Is that's, that's why it takes so long to get those episodes up. Sometimes you got you got so so many different backgrounds you got to do, and you can't just cycle them because people could tell. So, <laughs> uh, and I asked just of the mix of people that they brought back, you had to imagine that just given their personalities, whoever Sangman wanted to see win was going to be the direction that the group of attorneys was going to go. Well, or or whoever Dongman wanted to win was also a, a good uh, a good bet for who the, the attorneys were going to pick. <laughs> well, that worked out nicely then, didn't it? <laughs> Dongman and Sangman both wanted Dongman to win, and there was no chance for anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, I hear what you're saying, but I think I should be the winner. Yeah, came out, yeah. If Doohee, Doohee came to him and he was like, I have a plan, Dongman. He'd be like, Doohee, you know what? You don't have a plan. The plan is that I win this one. How about that? <laughs> Go lie down on those newspapers, Dewey. We'll yeah. tell you when it's uh, when it's your turn to do what I say. So in round five, uh, uh, Poong surrenders his turn. Um, have I done this part already? No. No, you five is next. You're good. Right, five is not good. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm losing my mind. So many rounds. There were only three rounds last time. The alliance goes uh, mummy heavy on number one, and we realize that they are kicking off the piggybacker, uh, the the mummy. And one thing that didn't come up on this episode, uh, but I guess could in in when you get the at home version of horror race would be the idea of like kicking off the piggybacker um, and then landing on top of the piggybacker. So essentially like like giving the mummy numbers one and two 
and sending them ahead three spaces, and then sending uh, more keys to the bottom, piggyback or three uh, on the on the three space to get on top and and ride the mummy, which yeah. is an interesting thought, especially knowing that there are seven mummy pieces in there, and you have uh, your best shot to move the mummy as opposed to any other pieces because there's just so many of them in the in the hopper. So if you can, I mean, that's they didn't do that, but if you play this game out a hundred times, some of the time that's going to be what happens is you're gonna you're gonna turn it around and ride the mummy, and if you can get your your coalition of piggybackers across the finish line at one point, whoever's on the bottom is, is going to be your third place finisher, which is what wound up happening. The mummy wound up in, in third place. So Yeah, I like it. That would definitely work. Folks who get the home edition, give it a shot. Let us know. Better how TV, goes. too. You would have thought Sangman would have figured out the better TV move. So, speaking of good TV, one thing I enjoyed here was, you know, just when they get their pieces back, Sangman is teaching Doohy how to do a very slow... A suspenseful reveal of what pieces he has, and he's even describing it though. He's like, "No, no, do he? Don't just show him. Come on, this is how you do it for good TV." <laughs> no, you know what we didn't have today though, and this is this is really shocking. We did not have Kyung Hoon when he pulled the two, going, "I'm Jin Ho," yeah, and everyone taking a moment just to laugh at Jin Ho like they do every episode. Ha <laughs> 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 ha, Jin Ho, you're number two for life. You're terrible. Well, the yes. reason why they didn't do that is because Doohy was there, guys. Doohy was there, so we have a new butt. For just this one episode. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, they they think it's so funny every time, and it's it's the joke is so old right now. Um, as I learned from that Korean game show, uh, take care of my old joke that I shouldn't tell anymore. <laughs> yeah. oh, you still got me to laugh. I'll take. It. <laughs> well, it's late where you are. It's uh, what is it about four a.m. in New York? That's right. We're two hours away from recording our Survivor South Pacific podcast. <laughs> we'll just go right through. We'll, go. We'll, get, we'll get Ozzy on the horn. He'll probably still be awake, too. So, um, All right. Uh, yeah, so so Ayoung uh, makes the uh, makes the Jiangshi go five spaces, and the game is over now. Um, you know, with her last turn, uh, there was nothing on on the two. She puts a Jiangshi on the two. She gives Jiangshi the win on number three, and we get the reveal that everybody. Wait, did, yeah. Oh, before the big reveal. Well, so one thing that was also happening towards the uh, I think it's around the middle is like um, K Hound and Junsiok, I think were trying to figure out who had the third mummy. They could tell that somebody had the third mummy based on, I think, the number of mummy chips that were coming out. Is that yeah, right? That's right? Yeah, there were only and seven then, mummies, so three people had to have them. Right, and then and then there was a huge mystery around that. And it was funny because they they kind of the edit kind of made a big deal out of that, and then it just like disappeared. I'm yeah, not sure why it ever mattered that much. <laughs> it didn't right, really come I don't up, other than just them being like, "Ha, huh, Jinho pulled one over on these losers." It doesn't really right. come up at all in the outcome of the game. Right, so I don't understand like why they spent so much time on it in the middle of the game. I don't know. Dom and Colin will tell you because they'll have a few more days to chew on it and they'll, <laughs> they'll get to the bottom of it, I'm sure. I, I didn't know. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know why. And um, I'm, sure, I'm sure the first comment on Reddit will be explaining this to me. Oh, and this is also a good time for me to point out, uh, segue from a segue, uh, I keep forgetting to mention the wonderful Reddit community at reddit slash r slash thegenius um, which uh, so lovingly allows us to post the podcast links, but is also a great place for English speakers to discuss this show. Um, so go check that out if you haven't yet. Reddit slash r slash the genius. Where you can claim your Sungyu flair. Is that what you got? Yes. Uh, obviously. Does it, does it say Sungyu or does it say in all caps and with 18 exclamation points, Sungyu! Like it's, like it's saying been saying it. Was that 18 exclamation points? That sounded like maybe two at best, Mike. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I, I, I'll say it again later, you guys. We can edit it in and post. 
Uh, I want a Hubei one. I got a re- special request Hubei. Oh, that's a, that's good. Yeah. All right. I like that. What about Ching? I'm surprised that you can't get a Ching. Yeah. yeah. Or even like Dealer Hong. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to be Dealer Hong season one or Dealer Hong season two or Ooh, which season Dealer Hong do you want? Well, can, we didn't even talk about Dong Min holding her hand this episode. Ouija burning. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Uh, she was she, losing it. That was yes. phenomenal. What's also funny about that is like, okay, so if you look at the psychology of this, like, if you did that, if she actually was keeping track of which pieces had been taken more frequently. It turns out it's pretty hard to avoid subconsciously giving someone a physical clue to that. So I, I know that he's just doing this for fun, but like that's why like people feel like Ouija, Ouija birds do anything at all. It's because people have a hard time avoiding trying to actually spell something out subconsciously, and so their hands end up sort of guiding it to spell out real phrases. And ghosts move your hands, so that's the two things. Yeah, I mean that's that's up there. That's up there. It's your subconscious. It's also the ghosts. But did, do you ever watch uh, the Penn and Teller show on Showtime? Bullshit. No. They did a, a really fun expose. I mean, not that it needs one, but they did a, a piece on Ouija boards, and they had uh, these three like witches or whatever, and they they blindfolded them, and on the Ouija board they still came up with like the whatever words that you know the they were supposed to, and then they, they secretly switched in a Ouija board with letters in different places, and the spirits happened to move their fingers to a bunch of gibberish. So, what? Go figure. I can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ouija boards, if anybody out there was wondering, um, may, may, may possibly be bullshit, but uh, don't, uh, if, you're, if you're one of Milton Bradley's lawyers, it's Milton Bradley, right? If you're an attorney for the Ouija board people, um, note that I said may, and not definitely is, and that my name is Michael Botta, and... Um... Nice try. Nice try, Scott. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about this and more on our Penn & Teller's Bullshit Podcast, which we're recording at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. I don't think we'll be ready by then. We'll, we'll be entering hour two of our Survivor South Pacific. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ozzy's not going to show up on time for that recording. <laughs> what well, was today? Oh, man. <laughs> Have you met Ozzy, Shireen? No, thankfully. But you've oh, met Wu, so you're probably you're probably right in the same zone. So um. yeah, no, I I have no desire to meet most survivors. Is hmm. uh, I feel like Ozzy is like if Wu were an asshole. Does that sound about right to you, Mike? I, no, I would I, just say I, I've heard that Ozzy was on another reality show at some point, which you can Google <laughs> if you are not you can, at work. I believe you can see his asshole on that one. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Shereen? <laughs> well, I did see him after Cook Islands. I looked him up on his whatever naked show that he did, and I saw mm-hmm. him naked yeah. on, TV, on whatever, on the internet. Uh, I wasn't going to say anything. I Oh, survivors. Yeah, generally, generally creepy people. Creepy, creepy, bad people. What about what about like Steve Chicken Morris? I feel like that guy. He's a good dude. Uh, he, um, I also uh, saw his episode of that show. Um, <laughs> damn. He didn't, you know, he was very careful. He didn't want to criticize anything. He didn't want to give any any suggestions of what to do. And uh, yeah. so the other the other three people left him, and they went off by themselves. There you go. Uh. All right. So um, anybody who just has absolutely no idea what we're talking about, uh, is, uh, just forget about it. We'll move on. Um, what's happening? The genius. Have we started talking about the episode? I believe we have. Okay. So we get the reveal, right? We're on the reveal? That's where... On the reveal. That's where, uh, that's where Shireen cut us off. God, Sorry. Shireen, you never stop talking. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Chinguya! 
right. So everybody, it turns out everybody wanted Kyung Hoon to lose. Um, Sangman yeah. says, let's make Kyung Hoon and Jun Sak fight today. Ayong says she only came to get revenge on Kyung Hoon. Uh, so, whoops. <laughs> oh, that's not good. Oh, that was fun. I I enjoy seeing everybody gang up on poor Kyung Hoon. Even though I like Kyung Hoon and I'm happy that he survived through this episode, it was kind of nice to see everyone take their shots at him. I will say though, um, I I wound up being surprised with the ultimate choice for the death match beyond the fact that those two had talked about um, going to the finals together and all that. But uh, it just seemed, based on the way Hyunmin had been edited recently, that he might be on the way out because he was just it's such an underwhelming edit. I thought, all right, well, Hyunmin's exposed. Kyung Hoon has reason to pick him. Kyung Hoon's gotten this huge edit. Kyung Hoon's going to bust Hyunmin, and it's going to be a, a big deal. And of course, that didn't well, come. It, in it would have been a big deal. Like as far as I understand it, they, those two are two of the most popular contestants right now, or as the show has been playing Which out in TV in Korea. So Kyung Hoon and Hyunmin. So Hyunmin was really popular coming wow. in, regardless. And then Kyung Hoon has gotten a lot of like positive momentum from people as he has progressed on the season. Yep, so I've heard that, and I think that you can you can sort of see it as the episodes progress, because I feel like as he becomes more popular to Koreans, as the episodes are airing, you can see that they're treating him with a little bit more respect, I want to say. Oh, no, totally. Like, there was that scene, there's like a secret scene from one of the early episodes where he lines up across from, uh, from Hyunmin, and he's like, Hyunmin, let's film some B-roll in case we end up as the final two. They'll have some clips of us talking about each other uh, to use in the finale. <laughs> And then the producers put on the bottom of the screen, uh, like, note, this will never, ever, ever happen. You know, Kyun Hoon will never be in the finale. It is impossible. It there won't, though. I mean, based on, based on at least the edit that I'm seeing, because at this point, making putting these episodes out, I believe they know who the winner is, right? And certainly who the final now, two are. Now they do, but it's so, not like they knew that long ago, right? Yeah. So I, I think, based on the edit at least, you'd have to think the final two are Dongman and Kyung Hoon. Ooh, that I mean, that would be interesting. I, I mean, you're you're talking winners edit talk here right now, Scott. Is that where we're going? Yeah, a little bit. I don't I don't edit? think it's that spoilery because um, it, you know, in the past, like like season two, certainly Yoan didn't get a huge edit and he made the final two. Um, you know, in season one, I, I don't want to say Kumran got like a, a tiny edit, but she was one of the less prominent people as we got down to this part of the game. Yeah. I mean, it's also strictly based we, on we don't know. Like, we honestly have no idea. We're just right, right. But based on based on at least the the American version of like what you would expect based on the editing we've seen, it would well, have to even, be. I think even Jinho has a fighting shot based on the edit. I think the only people ruled out from the edit are Jun Siak, who we saw go today, and Hyunmin. And watch as Hyunmin takes this thing, but uh, yeah, uh, no. But I agree. Like you would have to imagine for Hyunmin to be in the finals, he must. He would have to come on strong the next few episodes and what they show. No, us it's his Natalie White edit. It's UTR one, <laughs> UTR one, UTR one, CPP five. Are, oh. are you guys into Edgic? Do you know? No, what I'm I, about? I just know that there's something called chaotic neutral, and that's all I know. I know yeah. UTR is under the radar, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not yeah. an Edgic. What were What were you in season thirty in Edgic? Oh, so I, I have an interesting edgic because I had, like, a, a full story arc. So uh, I started out, like, neutral, the equivalent of neutral, and then I went into what's called... Oh, I thought the end was for naked. Oh, uh, good call. Um, no, the ne neutral is actually blank. And then I went into OTTN5, pretty much, which is over-the-top negative and uh, five being super visible. I thought that um, was just the highest level of Scientology. That too. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a turnaround episode, and after my turnaround, after that point, I was complex personality, positive tone, highly visible for the rest of the season. 
So it's like you go through, you start out neutral. Or for me, I, I started out neutral. I went through a in-your-face negative phase, and then I totally turned around. And I was like the the best possible you could, you know, edge rating you could be at the end. And then uh, Mike be, was Mike was over the top Colby five. Right, because oh, because because. Uh, Edgic-wise, you always need a contender, a winner, a winning contender against the obvious winner. And Mike was obviously getting the winners edit throughout the whole season, and so there was a, a stretch of time where I was the only person who could potentially, even within the realm of, I don't know. Is is Edgic a thing that's generally applicable to like any competition reality show, or is it Survivor only? Yeah, you can spoil Big Brother that way pretty easy. Is that... uh, I believe it was specifically. I don't. I don't know the full, com- complete history of Edgic, but my understanding is that it, w- it was created on Survivor Sucks for Survivor, uh-huh. um, and that it just happens to be this like rigorous academic analysis uh, that applies really well to storytelling in general. Like I mean, you can Edgic a novel and figure out. You know, obviously in novels, you know up front pretty much like who the protagonist is and therefore, you know, the winner in that sense. But like uh you can edgic out all the characters in a novel and figure out who's gonna have like a big role and who's gonna, you know, be your villain and, and whatnot. There was a story just yesterday that they found that there's some new computer algorithm that you can plug in an Agatha Christie novel and it can it can predict who the killer is. Now granted really? the computer has the entire text so it could just skip ahead to the ending. But they <laughs> said it didn't do that. That it could tell based on when the character came in and if it's a man was he portrayed positively because then he might be the killer. If it's a yeah. woman was she portrayed negatively because then she might be the killer. But it's really interesting that she fell into these yeah. these like tropes that, that kept coming through. Oh, anyway, off really topic cool. and back to back to Survivor thirty real quick. Uh, is we were talking about edge did it interesting that like the season was like so obvious based on the edit and based on what Probst had said before about like I think his exact quote was um, there's a guy from this who's really awesome and he's going to win I think that's what he said in the preseason interview something like that yeah he straight up said Mike is totally going to win this <laughs> that's basically what it was like people are going to love this season they're they're going to love the winner right wasn't that what he said like it's a great winner and then as we got down to the end it's like all right well the no, no, he, he literally said, I'm not even exaggerating here, there was at least one piece of press, if not more, where he said, Mike's my winner pick, he's totally going to win. And that <laughs> where that press was written after the season fell. Did he really? I always wonder about that. Does he do those interviews but he gets like it wrong a lot on purpose. before the season starts? I assume that he did all those interviews before the season started. Like, like I think he does a lot of them before the season starts, but in some cases, like I'm... He does well, it after too. I'm pretty sure in some of them he does it after, and like, and the other thing is, I'm sure in a lot of seasons he also will say it, uh, you know, will purposefully mislead people or whatever. But I also think in the case of season 30, for whatever reason, he was so obsessed with the season. I mean, well, one of those main reasons being Mike, and I don't think he cared. I don't think he cared that it was obvious that Mike was the winner from the beginning, and that like everybody should be rooting for him for him from the beginning. And yeah, I, I think there was there was enough material that they could have made Carolyn into a viable possible alternate winner. And I think probably for Rodney, too, and they just decided to make it the Mike show. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I mean, there there are reasons why they couldn't have necessarily made Carolyn a viable winner choice, and that's because a lot of people out there actually didn't like her. And so I think they did the best with what they had. But do like, you think that's that why... they, they would have had enough from confessionals from her that she could have told us enough of her side of the story to at least convince us that maybe she could win? Um. Because they've done that in the past too, like when they gave us Matthew von Ertfeldt as a plausible winner against uh, <laughs> against Jenna Maraska. 
Do you remember when that was a thing? Like, we all knew it was going to be that final two because of the betting scandal. But then at the same time, by the end of the season, everyone was like, man, what a great story for this guy, Matt. And then everyone was like, no. I didn't know about the betting scandal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mike, you remember this, right? I, I do. We were. Just, I remember us. We probably were talking about it. We probably were talking about this. Yeah. You tell tell Shireen about the the betting scandal in season I, six. You you will do a better job of this. I barely remember it. I, so employees or or you know ostensibly uh, CBS employees or show employees or maybe just relatives of people who are on the show. But very shortly after the cast was announced, this is back when you could bet on who you thought would win on like Bodog or whatever other. Uh, inner tops, whatever websites would take bets on these things, and yeah. very quickly the ads skewed super heavy to Jenna and Matt. Like, um, oh. like whoa. So uh, they, they took it down. It was like a huge thing. Like Everyone kind of understood somehow these two are going to be the final two. And then, as I recall, they actually changed the betting. Like they, they voided all those bets, and then the new wager was like, aside from Jenna and Matt, who do you think will do the best on <laughs> Season 6 of Survivor? So... Yeah, I remember wow. hoping that it was like a Jervis X kind of thing. So I I went to the after party for Survivor the Amazon in New York, but it was my freshman year of college. So I had to take the train in from New Jersey to New York for the party, and, but I didn't want to miss the episode. So I, like I, I had my first cell phone then. I put my room phone up to the TV and I called my room phone from the train so that I could listen on my cell phone to the phone pressed up against the TV and as soon as I heard that Rob had been voted out, I hung up the phone. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rob. my God. That is incredible. Oh, I did man. that once with Jeopardy. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a super fun party, though. I have a bunch of pictures of, the, of Fat Me with Rob's sister, Nino. Cool. Yeah. With, you, with Fat Rob's sister, I was, Nino? Rob. No, I, yeah. I, had, I put on the freshman 15 that year big time. I lost it, but it took a while. Yeah, that sounds really fun. I mean, I, I not not to get too off topic again, but like I think for for a lot of listeners, and I think we have a lot of overlap people from who listen to this podcast who also listen to all of Rob stuff, and just like like Rob being such a perfect not every man, but like every fan that like there was um, he. He's he's a very talented uh, uh, broadcaster, and he he had been through broadcasting school at that point. Um, but he had this way of coming off as like like if I were in the game, like I'd be this this imp who's like going around like changing alliances and being a smartass about it. And uh, so he you know that was like I, and I, I think we've talked about this in the podcast before, but him getting voted out of Survivor All Stars being like the biggest punch to the gut um, until Samen got eliminated from season four of the of the Genius. But just like the like oh. I feel it all the way from here, and this happened like a year ago. Nice segue. So, yes. Well, I, I got to bring it back to the genius. I mean, I again, I'm sure we could we could talk right up until our Survivor South Pacific podcast about Survivor, but that's right. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> let's get back. Uh, let's get back to the matter at hand. Um, uh, yeah. So it's it's over. We have our big reveal. Um, the secret plan was that the zombie should finish first, the Jingxi second, uh, and that way Dongmen can win, Poon can win, and Kyunghoon will be last, and that way Dongmen can also give the token of life to Jinho. Um, and I, I want to point out, uh, I went back and looked on, on the Wikipedia page for the genius, because everyone's been saying like Jinho's been so underwhelming this season, but first of all, Jinho's the only person who's not yet been to a death match. Um, so his social game is actually, I would say, stronger than Dongmen's in the sense that he's not seen as the face of evil uh, when things go wrong. But he also has he has one solo main match win. Um, the other players with solo main match wins, Sangman had the first two. Hyunmin won the Today's Menu game. Uh, Yunsung won, uh, Dr. Yunsung won the, the Fish Shop game. 
Uh, aside from that, uh, Dongman won Seed Poker, Jinho won Minus Auction 2, and Dongman wins again today. So it's not like Jinho has, has fewer wins than everyone else. The two big group wins for Loyalist and Rebels and Garnet Thief, Jinho was involved in both of those. So, you know, Jinho's been, been playing great. He's been getting the tokens of life. He's just been sort of passive about it. He's been like, yeah, all right, cool, I'm still, here I am, I'm still winning, and I'm still doing great, so. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, Shireen, let us know what you think here, too, but I... I feel like he's gotten a bad rap this season from people saying that it, he's showing uh, a poor performance. I know the tactical Nori game hit him hard, but yeah, Dongman's been practicing those death matches, but Jinho hasn't had to go to any death matches, so that's that's pretty darn good. Right, and I'm looking at the elimination chart right now, and yeah, it's like for the first four episodes, he didn't even have immunity, and nobody chose him for a death match, and then he had a couple of wins, and then. He was chosen, though, to help. Uh, but he to was help chosen to help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I honestly, I don't. I feel like people love Dongmin so intensely because of this like big winner's edit that he keeps getting, even though even when he's an asshole, even when he's a sexist <laughs> jerk, and like, and I feel we'll get like. To in, it. Well, right, but I'm, I feel like in Dongmin's case, there's all this like love because of his edit rather than based on data. And then similarly with Jinho, I feel like because he is like a laid back, more quiet guy, and because we haven't seen like any of these, you know, really flashy main matches for an individual to be able to win, um, you know, people are discounting him and saying, oh, he's not, you know, he's not what he used to be. And it's like, I wonder if those same people who don't like Jinho now and are complaining about him largely because of his edit also didn't like him back in season one when he was also a really quiet guy for most of the season, barring two episodes. Yeah, right? and, and I think that to us, people who know Jinho as the guy who won season one of The Genius, we probably have a different view of him than these folks in Korea who have known him for years and years as the guy who always finished in second place at everything yeah. and happened to win the first season of The Genius but then lost the second season of The Genius. In a also, totally like, bullshit way, too. That's true. But to right. us, he's like, yeah, again, he but... won. He was awesome season one. To them, he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. He won season one, but he's lovable loser Jinho. He reminded me, oh, my gosh, in season two, it's funny because he didn't he, like, uh, I should bring up his elimination chart. Um, he lost he, it at uh, Indian Hold'em to G1. Right, right, right. They both had a one. They got all in, and there's no chop pot, so they wound up just high-carding it for the for who gets to stay in the genius. Yes, 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 but I was going to compare him to the Amazing Grace All-Stars, Boston Robin Amber. Uh, do you guys not watch... I mean, I used to watch Amazing Grace, and I don't anymore, but okay, I'm about to explain it. So, yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm verifying it with data, not just with an edit and feelings, which is important. <laughs> um, so Jinho, in Season 2, wins the first four main matches... Right, and then he like skates by two episodes, and then he goes to a death match and loses in that totally bullshit death match. But um, very similar thing happens to Boston Rob and Amber in the Amazing Race All Stars, where they literally win the first three legs uh, in a row, which is I don't believe at that point had ever been done before. And then in the fourth leg, where they were the favorites to win the whole fucking thing, they get eliminated on a total bullshit challenge, on a find a needle in the haystack challenge. I've, oh, never, wow. I've never seen that. I've seen some Amazing Race, but not that season. So so if I want to watch them get eliminated from a reality show together, I should find episode four of Amazing Race <laughs> All-Stars. Right. If you're really upset after re-watching Survivor All-Stars, go watch Amazing it, Race All-Stars. It's good, good shot in Freud. Shireen, tell them Shireen sent you. <laughs> <laughs>
So, so we still have a little bit of business to get. <laughs> for a couple minutes, we're good. We're good. We still have a little business to get to uh, before we finish the main match here, because uh, um, you know Hyunmin points out to us that sometimes he has to watch the TV broadcast to see just which side alliances Dongmin has had. Uh, that, that was hilarious. That whole thing showed so much about Dongmin and Hyunmin. It showed how clueless Hyunmin is. It shows that, like, Dongman, as flashy as he seems to be on TV, is actually keeping his cards close and never outs anybody for having helped him. Like, that he actually... Uh, yeah, going back to Boston Rob, like, he'll tell us everything, but he won't tell the other players anything that... Yeah. No. Which I didn't realize until I saw that Hyunmin confessional today. Yeah. yeah. That's a that really was a interesting look, just like you pointed out. It... Yeah, it, it shows you he keeps his, he keeps people tight by saying like basically, if you want to win, you have to stick with me. I'm not going to show you the magic. I'm not going to tell you how I'm doing it. You're not even going to know what happened, but you'll be alive. Do what I say. Stick with me. Yep. 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 Just do everything exactly like I tell you, and and we'll be okay. Um, yeah, but yeah. Shenman, like, how does he not pick up on this stuff? Like, or why has he been? It it shocks me kind of that he it takes him until watching the episodes. I would have thought, that, like, during the breaks in the episodes, doesn't he go back and, like, talk to people and be like, hey, so what happened last week? What did I miss? Why Isn't are we working with Isn't he going to us? dinner with Dongmin afterwards and yeah. just getting drunk and, like, getting all the details out of him and then, like... <laughs> I guess he just, like, sits there quietly while Sangmin tells stories of the, the old days with Ru-Ra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, as we get to round six, we get the montage of, like, well... It's all over for Jun Seok and Kyung Hoon, unless something crazy happens. Let's see if something... And everyone's saying, well, I don't think anything crazy could happen. I think it's all over. Oh, I mean, sure, something crazy could happen, but what are the odds of that? And then, nothing crazy happened. Nothing happened. There was no, like, no mysterious ways, no flash forward to craziness. It's basically just, Ah Young makes a good play, and the episode is, and the, uh, the game is over. Yeah, Even though Kyung Hoon got down on bended knee to propose marriage to her, uh, uh, th- he, did, he did offer to go take uh, a side job to make nine thousand dollars for each of these people. I, I enjoyed that, but I got to say, like as much as I like Kyung Hoon, I hate uh, desperate begging Kyung Hoon. He is my least favorite Kyung Hoon. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a good look for any genius player. We've seen it from we saw it from Jung Moon this season in every episode she was in. We saw it from Yo Wan in season two. Uh, I can't which game was that where he. Uh, he wound up begging to not oh, go when, he, to the... when he's down on his knees and uh, yeah, yeah, in the hallway. That was the worst. That was the most pathetic begging. He's like, I've never done this before in my in my whole life, and I'm, uh, you know, no, nothing in my life has mattered quite so much as avoiding this one death match in this one episode of a celebrity reality game show. <laughs> Which is, you know, he's got his priorities straight. I, I don't know what to say. So nothing happens. The game ends. Uh, Dongman gives Jinho the token of life. Um, Poon gets the money, he's going to share it with Ayoung and Sangmin and uh, neither Jongbum nor Dewey is mad about this because neither one of them was actually there. It is no. revealed in a shocking twist. That's right, they were Tupac-style holograms for the duration of the episode. A shocking twist will be revealed. There is no Jongbum, there is no Dewey. <laughs> oh, man. I have a question. Um, if I can remember what the question is. Fuck. You can. It was going to be... Oh, Dongmin. Is this the first time we've seen Dongmin outright lie? Because he told Hyunmin he would give him the token of life, and then just straight up didn't. 
Sort of. Like, I don't know, I don't know, I can't specifically recall a more direct lie than that, but remember in episode three when he was secretly working with Sangman and betraying his giant alliance uh, to, to put Jungmoon at the bottom to send her yeah. to the death match and get her to pick Kyunghoon. So I don't know if, if it's been quite so stark a contrast. Uh, there may have been. It's not striking me, but we've certainly seen him be duplicitous. We've seen him um, at least give a strong impression he was doing one thing and then doing the other. So Right. But this is, not, I think, the, this is the first time the first I felt like he said... Right. But it's the first time I felt like he actually said the words yeah. and then... And that's a good point. I think it's the first time he has successfully executed on a lie and, and like had it work out to completion because the Sangman thing didn't really work and he never actually said anything about it. That's but what Gunman was talking about, I think, too, when he says, like, boy, I look at the broadcast and there's Dongman like, making all kinds of deals I didn't Ooh, know about. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right because, again, like that probably would have just aired a couple of weeks before this episode was filmed. Because Dongman wasn't doing that in Season 3, right? Season 3, he was... No, it's was above board. Yeah, so I think that's got to be it, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, so Kyung Hoon is going to pick Jun Sayak, and man, I was so upset about this. Like, this was the final two I wanted, but at least I get to see them play each other in, in something. But yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we're going to lose one of them right here, right now, mm-hmm. and one of the three of uh, Jin Ho, Dong Min, and Hyun Min, at least one of them is going, to the, is going to the finals. Pretty impressive, and another moment where you just realize Jun Sayak, for as fun as he's been to watch, he's been like a great strategic player throughout the season, He's just been socially pretty awful throughout. I, I I will take exception to the to strategic. I think he's been fine. He's been good. He's been, uh, if you want to say he's one of the five best, that's fine. But I, he's not great here at Quattro. He doesn't figure it out. He needed a lot of help uh, at Monorail, um, both from Kyung Hoon and telling him what to do, and from Dr. Yunsong in also not knowing what was going on. Uh, so and you know his first death match, like sure he he wins against uh, Jung-hyun, but he wins against Jung-hyun in a game he's seen Jung-hyun play the same way uh, three different times, twice against Yoo Young and once against Yoan, and that Jung-hyun played the exact same way again. So, uh, you know, Jun Seak is, is fine on the season. He's, I'd say he's good, um, but of these five, and I, I had him ranked last, the previous, after the previous episode, I stand by that. Like, I think he's clearly the, the lesser or the least or the not most of the five players remaining here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and Shireen, what do you think about this? But I would say, like, I, I give him more credit than that. I think that he definitely played to be in the top five in terms of playing a strategic game. And I don't expect anyone to be perfect at this, but I, I thought, like, he analytically, he did a good job of analyzing the majority of the games. Yeah, I would agree with that. I do think that he made an impressive showing, you know, considering he was a first boot, right? Like, he came back and really had a redemption story from his first time around. Yeah, I, sorry, I don't, I don't want to cut you. I want you to continue the thought, but like the first boot thing didn't mean that much to me because like a lot of like he was the first boot specifically because he was expected to be good at the game. Yeah. So, I mean, the first boot thing is like like a TV satisfaction kind of thing, but being the first eliminated from a from a reality show, um, a lot of times it's just wrong place, wrong time syndrome for a player who otherwise might be good. So yeah. continue. Well, I think that for me, the disappointing thing about him, as I um, creepily stalked him and and tried to see if we had any mutual friends, is I found out that he um, studied computer science. And I think that originally I thought, oh, he's like just a politician, so he probably, you know, studied, you know, remedial lunch or something in college. <laughs> uh, a good college, granted, he went to Harvard, but... Um, Advanced but I, remedial lunch. Advanced remedial lunch. I, I just didn't, I thought like, oh, he's he's a politician, he's probably not used to like playing strategy games, um, 
even though that's what politics is. <laughs> but uh, but I mean more in terms of like like logic, right? And um, it turns out he's a computer scientist. He should have a very logical mind. Something like monorail is just very straightforward and the kind of thing that you solve it's all algorithmic. the time. Yeah. Algorithmically, right. And so I think that now that I know that much more about him, that not only is he like a politician and should should know how to play people better than he has on the genius, but also that he's a computer t- scientist and should be a lot more uh, logic, you know, logically minded. That for me has been is where the disappointment is that like we haven't seen a bigger showing from him. Yeah, yeah. But I I would agree. I would also say like if you go back and even just watch this episode, look at what his interactions are like with the other players. He's pretty blunt. He's not particularly political in the way that he engages with folks. It's surprising. He kind of yeah. goes up to them and he's like, do this. Oh, you have that? Do this instead. Do this. He, he doesn't really think to ask them what they need. He's not really particularly negotiating. So from that perspective, the fact that he got picked here doesn't really feel like a big loss to me given the people who we, we still have remaining. Yeah, well, although Shereen, that, that's also Dongwin's style, isn't it? To just tell people what to do. The difference is that they listen to Dongwin and they don't listen to him. Yeah, I guess the the only difference is that Dongman has proved his value to other people. Like he's shown yeah. them time and time okay. again, like if you stick with me, you'll you'll get something out of it. Yep. Okay. So, Sh- Shireen, we talked a little bit on the on a, the Facebook Genius Group about um, who you would pick to take to a death match, and the sort of the disparity between like who one really should take to a death match versus the politics in the game of and like who's actually likely to get picked for the death match. And this might be the last time that we see this this that anyone have a choice of who's going to the death match because next time with four players, um, I don't know how it's going to work this season, but if two players have the token of life, then the death match is is set based on that. Um, what do you think about the choice between Jun Seok and Hyunmin here? I think that Jun Seok... It's funny because like they focused on the fact that Kehound was saying, oh, it would be honorable to lose to Jun Seok, but I actually thought that Jun Seok would be easier to beat, and therefore it was a... I think Kyunghoon thought so too. Right, I think that that's like, probably why he actually turned on him and chose him, because he was less frightened by him or, le- or more sure of himself against him. Yeah, I, I totally agree. For somebody who loves the show as much as Kyung Hoon did, I can't imagine that he was thinking of it in terms of like, who would I feel better losing against? He, right. he wants to stick around. Yeah, it's like he's using that party line, but is really playing, you know, strategically. Yeah. Um, so our death match is going to be Quattro. Uh, yay! No. I will say I'm, I give the producers credit. I'm very happy that the that the returners uh, didn't have a say in the social side of the version of Quattro we've seen before. It's a new version of virtual players. This is a much better Quattro. It's still a little too not a little. It's still a lot too luck based for me. Um, but the addition of at least some strategy shifts that from pretty much all luck to just a lot of luck, but some strategy, which is yeah. better. I, I, like, I like this version a lot more. I would also say another good reason for picking. Uh, Jun Seok here was, if you knew that there was a 1 in 3 chance you were going to be playing Quattro, and you thought that there was a chance that Quattro was going to have something to do with uh, getting help from people in the crowd, then mm-hmm. you definitely would would rather be playing against Jun Seok, who has, like, no friends. That's a great point. Yep. Very, very good point. Yeah, you, you definitely you definitely pick the guy who just, yeah, just, like, seems to grumble off in the corner by himself and, and you know, isn't doesn't have, like, a, a following of of anybody, so um, 
Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, definitely, definitely a good choice for like a lot of different reasons. But we're playing Quattro. There's going to be six virtual players. Um, the cards are only going to go from one to six this time. There's going to be two zeros and a zero can complete a Quattro for you. So if your hand consists of any three different colors and numbers and a zero, you've got yourself a Quattro. I guess probably any two different numbers and colors and both zeros, and you've got a Quattro. And the I virtual mean, you... players have. Go ahead. Uh, you, having to have unique numbers, is that a new restriction to this version of it? No. In the first version, as you recall, the perfect score that uh, lawyer Yunsung had was a, a 10, a 9, an 8, and a 7. Got uh, it. This is actually similar to, I think it's called uh, Badugi, but there's a, there's a poker game that, I don't know if it's still popular, but but 10 years ago when I when I spent a summer in Vegas, it was like the new thing for the high rollers where it's a, it's a standard deck of playing cards, but like the best hand was... I believe I believe it was like an ace two three four in all the different suits. So um, you know it's it's basically a variant on on a, a poker game, um, which I'm sure itself is a variant to something else. And you could probably chase it all the way back. And like all card games, it probably goes back to Uno. So, uh, but the cards are only going to be one through six this time. The virtual players will each have three cards, uh, and the rules for the virtual players are they will always use the cards you have exposed so far to offer you the best card to make you a Quattro. The second rule is if there's no card that can help you make a Quattro, they'll give you the highest value card that they have. And the third rule is if, if there's a tie, if, if there's two choices that were equally good by either of the first two rules, then you will get a card in the suit order of red, then blue, then yellow, then green. Um, finally, zeros will always be traded. So if you trade with a virtual player who's got a zero, you're getting a zero. So yep. better rules. Shereen, what do you think? Uh, why do you think they eliminated the seven, eight, nine cards? I, I think uh, for the sake of of um, well, so it does a few things, right? So first of all, um, when the cards go up to ten, you've got a lot of room to complete a quattro in terms of just like the sh like if you have three of the numbers, if you have a a green, a blue, and a red, um, there are seven yellows that'll make your quattro. But now with six numbers, you've got a green, a blue, and a red. There's only three yellows that make a quattro. So the odds of of hitting the color you need. Uh, are a little bit lower um, in, from a from a blind hand, so I think that's part of it. Um, I think it compresses the scores a little bit, and and it acts to make the scores closer. Um, so like the worst draw you can get, like there won't be as much disparity from the draw. It won't be like someone has has like a ten and a nine in their hand, and the other guy even after throwing back a couple hands is, has maybe like a six or a seven as as their highest card. So uh, that's that's another effect of it is like essentially you know you're you're gonna wind up with a card in the top four that you need to make a perfect quattro in almost every scenario because you only need a six a five a four and a three to do it so um, it, you know with uh, with a couple of chances to throw away your hand it's it's basically a lock that you're gonna wind up with at least something in that three four five six range that you can play and make yourself a perfect hand right anyone yeah. That's that's what I think. I, I think it works better this way. You don't need that many virtual players, um, so I think they also settled on a number that gives them a a number of virtual players that makes the game uh, that, that gives you a fair chance to kind of like play around and pick up some different cards and and interact with the game. But that's not so big and overwhelming that you know you you don't want to have like 15 virtual players out there or whatever and and having to trade back and forth and and having the game go on forever uh, and overcomplicate it. So uh, I will say uh, I like that they they also brought back Yunkel in this episode with a shaved head. Uh, he was he was virtual player number five with the sunglasses. I, fun. I I thought about that too when I was watching them. I was like, oh look, there's another guy wearing sunglasses indoors. 
<laughs> so uh, the rules are you must trade with every virtual player. Um, and when you trade a card to a virtual player, the card you have traded is exposed. Yeah. So if there's something that you know you need for a quattro, uh, you can trade with that virtual player and save that trade for last ostensibly, as, as we see Kyung Hoon ultimately do, because you know that you're going to get at least that card, if not something better, if there's something better that's exposed, that's, that's not yet exposed in the virtual player's hand. Yeah, and can we talk about that for a second? So is that how it worked? I wasn't quite sure about that. Was it that they still follow the algorithm at that point, mm -hmm. if there is something yep. better, or was it that the algorithm changes to... You get whatever the exposed card is, and then we go to the algorithm if there is no exposed card. No, I'm, I'm, because there were times when you got the exposed card and times when you didn't. It was all based on the algorithm. Were so. they? Okay, I didn't realize that. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really important for the game too, because uh, the rule that you have to trade with with all six people, like this is something I really didn't like from from season two, was that you have to trade with everybody. So essentially, the last card that you, the last person you trade with, is picking a card that has to go in your hand. So we saw part of why Yoan lost the season was that he was forced to make a trade for a card with someone who it turned out didn't have anything that could help him. And that's just pure dumb luck. I mean, he just happened right. to, to not find something that, that could have helped him win the season. But here, you have, you have some information. Um, you can try to save a card for later if you want to. Uh, Junsiak was trying to force the zero into Kyunghoon's hand. I'm not sure exactly how he thought that was going to work. Um, but... <laughs> the idea being that because those cards are exposed, it's just it's more information, it's less luck, it's less random, and you have a much better shot of actually making a quattro by the end of the game, which we wind up seeing both players make make quattros. Yeah, I mean, I think like I don't really have a whole lot to say here except like the I think the a couple of obvious things are just like that you know K Hound had a really good hand, but I think it was only good because he knew how to play it. I think a you know less worthy competitor wouldn't have played that hand as well. Um, and the other thing is just that, like, it seems pretty obvious that you want to hold on to your cards up until the last possible moment, and that Jun Siok blew his load a little bit by exposing so much in the third round rather than holding out till round four the way that K-Hound did. Yeah. So ultimately, Junsak needed the, the red six that was in Kyung Hoon's hand. And the only way that he really could have made sure that he got it um, would have been if he could have essentially forced Kyung Hoon to play it on a on a virtual player that neither one of them had played. So as long as there is a virtual player that Jun Sayak has played and Kyung Hoon hasn't, Kyung Hoon can trade the red six to that player, and there's no way for Jun Sayak to come back and get it. So yeah. at the end of the episode where they explain how like Kyung Hoon could have had trouble making a quattro if Jun Sayak had played correctly, um, I didn't fully follow that. Um, maybe that's I'm, I'm sure it must be true if they if they say it because uh, you know if TV says it. Maybe. Um, <laughs> true, but. But uh, basically, like, the red six was probably never going to Junsak's hand. The bigger mistake I think Junsak made, and I'm not sure why he did this, um, at the point where he had the blue three and the yellow five, right, the cards he's looking for uh, to make a perfect hand are either green four, red six, or green six, red four. But green six is in Kyung Hoon's hand. So the only way Junsak can make a perfect hand is with the green four and the red six, right? Junsak has the green four, and he trades it back. He gives yeah. it up. It's his sixth move. Um, he gives it to virtual player uh, number three, and uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense. He could have held on to it and played it and moved on to the fourth round where he actually would have had a chance to get that red six that Kyung Hoon had. Yeah, I also didn't understand that. That just seemed like an odd choice. And even it looks like the observers were also like, huh, that seems like a weird decision. Well, believe the reason... What, the reason why when he gives up that card, he can't make a he can't make a perfect score. He can't make a perfect quattro when he gives that up because the green six 
is gone. And you need a green four or a green six to fill in the gaps with the three and the five. Go ahead, Chung. Was the green six already on the table? Because I was going to say, I yeah, keep... Kyung Hoon had played it. Kyung Hoon had, had it was oh, it was open it. in front of Kyung Hoon. That I was see. the first card he turned up. Yeah, Kyung Hoon played the green six and the yellow four. John Sack played blue three and yellow five, um, which which allowed Kyung Hoon to to trade away the yellow six without worrying about it. Right. Uh, yeah. So his reasoning was just that he was like fishing for a six. Right, right. but he can't get the green six. The green four right. is the best he could do in green. Uh, so he's got to keep it, and he's got to he's got to play it. And in fact, that would have made. Well, let's take a look at the difference it would have made. So he had eight points uh, through the first two cards. This would have given him twelve points through three cards. Kyung Hoon was already up to fifteen points. So yeah, I mean, uh, uh, he would have been down three points with one card to go. Kyung Hoon ultimately gets the red one. He makes a sixteen point score. So at that point, the red six. Well, I mean, of course, the red six would have won the game for Jun Sak because it it would have been a perfect score with a three, four, five, and six. But um, he at least would have been, uh, well, he, uh, he still would have needed the green six specifically. Kyung Hoon would have had had fifteen points after three rounds. So Jun Sak with twelve points. Uh, would have needed a three to tie or better, but he's already played at that point. In the scenario, he's already played a three, a four, and a five, so it's only the six that can give him the win. So in any case, he needed the red six in the last round, and he had no way to get it because he had no trades left. I mean, the game was over, and I don't know if you guys caught this, but after the third round, there was nothing that Junsak could have got that, that would have given him the win after the third round. Did you guys right. pick up on that? Well, unless unless uh, Kyunghoon didn't unless have a quattro. Right, but based on what he saw out there, the cards that he was free to take, he could have taken the zero, he could have taken the red one, which is what he ultimately did take, but unless he makes some huge mistake, and again, Kyung Hoon, from what we know of him, could have deliberately made that mistake and been like, you know what, I know I can take a for sure thing, but I'm going to leave it to chance, and I'm going to go with a virtual player and card I don't know. I don't like winning, I'd prefer to just lose out and then come back next season, do the Sangmin route. I, I, think, I think it's more like, you know what, I don't want to win this one. I'm going to lose it, and then I'm going to come back next week and see uh, see what happens then. Yeah. Like I, I just I don't think anyone's told him that he he can get eliminated from season four. You'd think he would have learned after how quickly he got eliminated from season three, but maybe that explains his performance in season three. Well, I'll just um I'll let lawyer Kang make the make the card selection here, and then if he if he decides to draw, then I'll just come back next week and uh, maybe I'll do better next week. Go to the the death death match. Yeah, um, he's like, wait, where's where are they keeping Jury? When do I get to play her to, on, on Redemption Island? Yeah, Redemption, genius Redemption Island, um, genius South Pacific. The, coming up in the next fifteen minutes when we record it. Um, the thing that stood out to me here is like, so okay, this is a, a pretty new version of Quattro, and I can't blame them for not having perfect strategies, but I would say they've got a pretty decent analog here in same picture hunt which they know pretty well from having seen it played multiple times. And that the name of that game is Don't Give Up Unnecessary Information to Your Opponent If You Can Avoid It. And yeah. Kyung Hoon picks up on that right away, and he says, I'm going to wait, I'm not going to show trades, because I don't want to give Jun Seok any unnecessary information. Whereas mm -hmm. Jun Seok just says, ah, screw it, I'm going to put all the information out there, I'm going to turn cards over whenever I feel like it, and that's totally what costs him. Yeah. So um, we're going to lose Junsak here. He's going to give all his garnets to Kyung Hoon, who he says he hopes he can help in the finals. And I hope he can help him too in the finals because Kyung Hoon well, so, is a good TV. And this is some interesting foreshadowing because it seems that, like like, like we said, uh, Kyung Hoon is getting more and more popular in Korea, which is getting him more respect in the game. And we're seeing as people are leaving, like not all of them are bitter towards him. Like in this case, right, Junsak ended up giving him all his garnets and wants him to win. Um, yeah. So I think there's like a sentiment that like uh, Kyung Hoon is so crazy that if he even if he makes the finale, 
right? Like every all the players will come back, the former players will come back, and none of them will give him an advantage. I don't see that happening. I think that you know he's going to be so popular in Korea at that point, and like all that, all these people are going to say, yeah, he was a nut job, but now we see the methods of the madness. He makes good TV. We should all support him, and I mm-hmm. think he's actually going to get a lot of support in the finals. I I'm really I agree. Interested. Yeah, where's Sangmin going? If it's if it's Kyunghoon and Dongmin, who's Sangmin supporting? I'd like to think it, it'd be oh. Kyunghoon, but is Sangmin gonna be bitter? Is he gonna go with his old his old running buddy uh, Dongmin? I mean, what, I think where do you think Sangmin's Dongmin. going? Mike, I don't know. I think that Sangmin's the kind of guy who it, it, it kind of reminds me of when Kyunghoon said that he was going for a re- revenge after Junsak a couple weeks ago, and then immediately helped him after. Like I could see Sangmin saying, "Okay, I took one shot at you. Now we're even." You survived it. Now I, I like you, I, and I'll, I'll give you my support. So I could really see it going either way. But I, I, I wanted to go back to something from a, a second ago, and you talked about the type of support that Kyung-hoon is getting. I totally agree, and I also think that there's something really important that we, can, that we now know, given what was the preview of the episode. So Jun Seok gave Kyung-hoon... Well, he gave... Well, that name was amazing. Let's, let's talk about that in a minute. But he gave Kyung-hoon all of his garnets. Uh, so Kyung-hoon more than doubled up at the end of this episode, and we saw in the preview that next week is not a Garnet match. There's one Garnet match left, which means it's the final three. So not, assuming, I thought it was a Garnet match. Did they say Garnet? They, said whoever, they didn't say Garnet match, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they said whoever has the most Garnets will, will win. I, I took from it that it would be a Garnet match. Oh, okay. I didn't. I, I assumed that they would just put it up on the screen like they did for the others. They would say, like, Garnet yeah. match. No, I, uh, I hear you, and I, I was expecting all along that the final three, like the gateway to the finals, would be a Garnet match, which is a good way to, to pump up the Garnet count heading into the finals when the producers have said, like, maybe someone could win 200 Garnets. Yeah. Well, in any case, we know that there's a Garnet match in one of the next two episodes. Uh, and Jensak just helped him more than double up. He's in a good spot now going into whatever's coming up next. Yep. Yeah, and plus he's got Cordyceps helping him, so you know, is Cordyceps is Cordyceps Haha's kid? Is that what this is? <laughs> Cordyceps means something. Right? That, that's this guy's nickname, right? Cordyceps is, is a thing. It is a noun of some kind. It does not sound like the kind of of Korean name that we've gotten used to watching Four Seasons of the Genius. I do not think his name is like Lee Cordyceps. Cordy. <laughs> I think it's clearly a nickname, right? <laughs> which which Cordyceps symbol is? His <laughs> <laughs> I'm glasses cordyceps. Yeah, exactly. So just looked it up. Cordyceps is a fungus that about that includes about 400 species. Uh, a few of them are parasitic on other fungi. So that's exciting. I'm fungal cordyceps. <laughs> no, but but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, no, I don't think his name is like Kim Cordyceps. That's probably unlikely. So it'd be so great. <laughs> I also don't think his name is Cor. Deceps. Exactly. It's two. It's still two characters. It's a two-syllable name. Don't yeah. Worry. Yeah. Follows the pattern. But I have it. We've seen. We've seen him in just the preview for the next episode, and I already hope he gets cast on season five with Haha, with Yoan's wife. Who else are we hoping is on that season? Well, what about the 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 fat boy band guy? Yeah. So yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, the um. Love that guy from Super Junior. Super Junior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be on uh, Genius Blood versus Water. <laughs> right. <laughs> It'll be Sangman's, Sangman's brother, but it'll be, just be Sangman with a fake mustache. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, okay, oh yeah, back to what we were saying about Sangman and who he would support in the finals. Yep. I also think that Sangman is more likely to go traditional and even up, like even out mm. um, the piles if somebody is like decimating somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true. Except it's not going to matter because he's the third person who's picking, so 
he's not going to have that much information. Oh, it goes oh, by boot order. Burn. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, he might be picking between Dongmin and Jinho for all we know. Which, like, while it would be a great, like, a uh, uh, an epic matchup of like the two winners, um, it would just be lacking to like not have someone come through as a surprise. And your only surprise left is is Kyunghoon. So that's um, true. It would make for a good story, though. I but I, I do think that what we're we're setting ourselves up for is Kyunghoon versus one of the former winners. I hope so. Case. I, I, I really think it's going to be Kyunghoon versus Dongmin. Um, and as we're very close to getting to at this point, we'll talk about, uh, about Dongmin and, and the reasons why he's, he's not so lovable in Dongmin. Uh, he's, not a lovable, he's not lovable men. Yeah, the, the spoiler alert would be that in that situation, I'm pretty sure all three of us rooting for Kyunghoon. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm rooting for Kyunghoon to like, get the tastiest sandwich at the hors d'oeuvres <laughs> and the, on the table at the start of the episode. I, I love it. At the end of this, this episode, they were like, Kyung Hoon soothes his nerves with some juice. Oh, that was the funniest thing. <laughs> they just show him. It's like, he, he, throat, I think, yeah, right? he soothes his frayed voice with some juice. <laughs> so before we, we move on to other things, let's, let's finish the business at hand uh, that we always do with this podcast, which is after we finish talking about the episode, we rank the, the winner chances for everybody who's left in the episode, um, everyone who's left in the season. So um, I'll just, I, I won't delay it. I'll give you my order and we can we can break it down and you guys can tell me how wrong I am. But I have Dongmin as the most likely to win the season at this point. I have Jinho number two, Hyunmin number three, and Kyunghoon number four just because he's on the outside of the Super Best Friends Alliance. Hmm. All right, that's what I got. Shireen, I will defer to you on this one to see what you, what you think of that rating. Uh, Most likely to win. Not who you're hoping for. Um, right. Just based on the social dynamics and the strength and whatever games we're presuming are coming up. Um, uh, that's there. There you have my order. I think. I still think that. Um, I still worry about Dongmin in a deathmatch situation against. Any of these three other guys, these three in particular. I agree at uh, twelve, Jangi, that he's probably in trouble against Hyunmin and Kyunghoon for sure, and very likely Jinho. But at double-sided poker, the element where you have to read someone or where you can bluff that the yep. card is higher on both sides, I would give Dongmin the edge at that game. I think. I agree with you until count carding. Sorry, I don't know what that word was. Card counting comes into play. Uh, yeah. Then I think that Jinho has the edge because he's the I, I mean, I don't know that this is like based on speculation, based on past performances. Like, I, I would think that Jinho is the more prolific card counter. Yeah, but I, I remember how strong Dongmin was at same number hunt um, in the in the finals last year. I mean, that's a game where you would have thought for sure Hyunmin was going to lock up the the win. Yes. And here comes Dongmin bulldozing his way through a through a memory math game. So I, yeah. I like I agree from what we've seen so far, but I, I Dongman is certainly capable of that. We saw how you know again not that Kyungran I don't think she's like the best Gil Hat player, although Jinho sure seemed to think she was pretty good at the beginning of this episode. But he he she couldn't breathe like she didn't have a chance to come up for air in that entire I, death match. So I didn't think his Gil Hat performance was all that impressive because she was still able to score points ahead of him. It took him a while to get his bearings, and I think that what he was really good at in that game was just like staying calm and sticking to the algorithm and seeing it all the way through. He so, also gave up some points though. Like he gave up he gave up a couple haps so that 
Kumran could have the second to last half, so he'd get the last right, half, so he could save Joel. Right. No, I, and I and I realize that as well. But like, like especially in the beginning, like at the start of rounds, and particularly at the start of the first round, like she seemed to be the first one to like, like based on gut alone, she was the one getting them, and then like he had to get his bearings. And, like, sort of study the board a little bit before he was then knocking him out. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I think the most likely person to win is Kyunghoon, just based on his challenge ability. Um, and then I would say Dongmin, then Jinho, then uh, Kyunghoon. Oh, and Hyun-min. that's And yeah. that's based both on uh, social and challenge ability. Like, I think that Kyunghoon can beast his way to the end on challenge ability alone. I think that Dongmin, I put him up at second place, not because I think he's amazing at all challenges necessarily, but just because I think socially he's the best positioned. And then I think Jinho is the most well-rounded, and I think Hyunmin is just sort of being left in the dust right now. Despite what has uh, happened so far between Dongmin and Kyunghoon and this week's betrayal or whatever, I still suspect if we do have a death, uh, uh, a Garnet match this coming episode and Kyunghoon's in the pole position, and he does manage to win it, and he's got a token of life to give away, don't you think he's giving it to Dongmin based on just what happens on this show? I think he would like revenge. I think that Hyunmin would love to beat Dongmin in the finals as his... Kyunghoon. Did I say Kyunghoon? Kyunghoon would give the, the token of life to Dongmin. Oh, that's what you're going for. Okay. Um, huh. Well, do you think... Th- I think he would probably want to keep Jinho around, actually, and want to play Jinho as his last competitor. Boy, wouldn't that be great if Kyunghoon wins it and he's got a token of life and he, he by giving it to Jinho, he sends Dongmin and Hyunmin to a death match? I, I think he would so like delicious. that. No, I think I would he would like, like that. Um, I, I definitely think that he would like to play against a winner in the finals if he makes it to the finals. Whether it's either of those two guys, I don't know if he has a preference. Right, well, and I think that like they, there's a compelling story for him to want to play both. like Because Jinho is the most famous guy from the genius in Korea, right? The most famous, the most popular, hands down? I, I think that's true. I don't he's know if the, saying He's it like is. the icon of the genius. I mean, I don't right. know if... Like, again, if you ask like people who watch the show, they might tell you they think Dongman would be a stronger player. I don't, I don't know. I'm just speculating here. Right. But, I, but Jinho is seen as like... He's like Richard Hatch. Like, he's the guy. Even if there's a better winner that comes along, he's... You know, you're not, you're not talking about someone who's, who's... Who represents the game in the way that the original winner does because the original winner... Right. Um, you know, again, like to go back to Richard Hatch, like he's not the greatest winner ever, but he was a good winner, and he was a winner with a very satisfying, fulfilling story that that made that he had he had earned himself in the same way that like Jinho was a satisfying winner to season one who had earned his victory. Um, so he gets to wear the mantle of like the genius winner that first time we all went through the genius together and, and fell in love with it. Right. Yeah. It's like, do you want to go up against Richard Hatch in the end, or do you want to go up against like Parvati in the end? Right, like, and I think that's what his choice is. But that's his Sophie's choice between, uh, um, what's his face, Jinho and Dongmin. <laughs> that's his face. <laughs> Sophie will be coming up again in our Survivor South Pacific recap that comes up in another. Time. Right, <laughs> pun intended. Hey-oh. Ding. All right, so uh, Mike, Mike, where, where do you, where do you stand? Yeah, I have Kyunghoon at the bottom, and Shireen has him at the top. So I think my rationale is is the same as Shireen's, but I think I end up with a slightly different order. I, I think about this in terms of who do I think is most likely to win at the death matches going out, and, and so I think like who do I, who has practiced them the most? So I would yeah. say some combination of Dongmin and Kyunghoon at the top. So what either one of those two guys are my number one, number two. I'll say Dongmin number one, uh, Kyunghoon number two. Then 
uh, Hyunmin number three, Jinho number four. Really? Wow. Yeah. So it's I, again that just comes down to me like I think all these guys are very close. Lots of natural ability across the four of them to do well at these. But it seems to me like Dongmin and Kyunghoon have been practicing these pretty regularly. I don't know if Hyunmin has, although I wouldn't be surprised if he has been. And I think I would be surprised to find out that Jinho had been practicing each of these games, game in, game out. Do you think he's practicing that look where he just goes like, ugh. Ah, she. Like they always say when they're frustrated about something. He's really good at that look. That's 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 not nothing. <laughs> it's good TV. He makes good TV. All right, so does we have no... Jinho? Yeah, does he? I mean, clearly to Koreans he does. But I think that he's the kind of guy who would never be cast on reality. Oh, I'm sorry, on U.S. reality TV because he's very understated. He he is very understated. The only times you ever get like real emotion out of him are when he's yelling at Doohee for something. Right. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's kind of like uh, like Colby in Heroes vs. Villains a little bit. Like you know, he doesn't do anything. There's still like something satisfying about having him on the TV screen. He makes it pretty deep, and that's fine. I, maybe I'm not giving Jin Ho enough credit yeah. there. In fact, I don't think you're giving him enough that. credit. Like I, he's not Superman in a fat suit. Like he's still fit. <laughs> right. <Okay>. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So so uh, what's what's your ideal final two matchup? I mean, for me again, it's the one I think we're getting, which is Dongmin Kyunghoon. Based on the four players left, I mean, there's only six ways to to pair him up. Um, for me, it would be it would be the story of like Kyunghoon, the the perpetual loser against Dongmin, who just bulls his way. To the win in every scenario, um, you guys have a have a different preferred final two for for enjoyment of the genius purposes. So I really want Kyunghoon to be in the finals, but I say if he is not, then I would love the story of Jinho versus Hyunmin, which is like original Jinho versus new and improved Jinho, mm. which would be really compelling. I think I'd enjoy that one. They sort of set it up. Like if you imagine, if this were scripted, they set it up last season in the episode when Sangman and Jinho come back, where Jinho's like, I love this human guy. He's just like me. This guy's the best. We're going to be best spoiler. friends. Spoiler! Can't wait to play with this guy. That was a major spoiler. <laughs> exactly. So you could, I could see that one being a really compelling story this season. But of the others, like I, I don't really want to see a rematch of Dongman and Human. That would be disappointing. I think that would be the most disappointing one of any of the options that are available. Totally agree. I mean, uh, go ahead, Shreen. I was going to say, like, for me, ideally, Kyunghoon makes the finals just because he was such a wild card, crazy person this season. And then for his his matchup, I would want either Jinho or Dongmin, um, just because Hyunmin has not been all that exciting and has really sucked at the social game, uh, particularly in this episode and. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the only final two that I'm disappointed with is would be Dongmin versus Hyunmin rematch because boring. Yeah, if you're the producers though, there's not really a matchup that like you don't have a storyline, right? Because if it is Hyunmin and Dongmin, you've got the rematch. If right. it's Hyunmin and Jinho, you've got like old Jinho versus new Jinho. Yep. If it's Hyunmin versus Kyunghoon, you've got like the two young bucks from season three who one who was out second, one who got second place, who are friends and and sort of big, but like now we're gonna see them head to head. If you get uh, Dongmin and Jinho, it's the winners. Dongmin and Kyunghoon, you get again like the winner and like a uh, 
nearly the worst loser of season three, and like these, the you know, can can this guy catch up to like the champion? And a very similar storyline with with Jinho versus Kyung Hoon. Like, can can this loser like take on the icon of the show? So I think uh, no matter what you get, if you're the producers, like you've you've got a story for that for that finale. Obviously, it's a three-person finals. Sangman comes back in from Redemption Island. Yeah, he's been. Uh, it's been who can stay in a van the longest. <laughs> he he's doing a, great. He won, he won in a landslide. So um, this might be a a good time to get to uh, Dongmin. Um, and for those who don't know, there was some controversy with Dongmin before the start of the season. Um, and I'm reading here from a website called a all kpop dot com. Uh, the headline: Jang Dongmin holds a press conference in regards to his recent controversies. Um, and uh, this is something he said on the radio. What a, what a Donald Trump that move that is to hold a press conference to talk about something stupid that you said. Um, let's see. Wait, where's the, where's the actual comment? Here's his apology. Yeah. Oh, past derogatory comments against women. All right, let me, let me for, follow. For our Latvian viewers, Donald Trump is an American billionaire running for president. Don't tell people. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> He's Canadian, guys. He's Canadian. All right, here we go. Um, uh, let's see. Dongmin said uh, he talked about his stylist and how she was bad at her job, saying, quote, I want to hit her on the head with a hammer, and F word, I want to ship her intestines to her parents and make them eat it. Um, this particular segment was deleted eventually from the show because the listeners were uncomfortable listening to such words. However, he also said, quote, women are stupid, so they lose to men in terms of their brains. Um, and when he was asked, he was said when someone told him that that was derogatory, Dongmin said, quote, no, they're really stupid. Um, so this is this is the main thing. He also there's a comment about someone when he was in the army. Uh, he said there was a soldier who ranked below him that inflicted self harm because Dongman was so bad to him. Dongman says when I asked why he tried to die, he told me I'm having such a hard time because of you. So I kicked him in the chin with my boots. Uh, now I, I think to me the worst though I mean, not to me the worst of these comments is women are stupid so they lose to men in terms of their brains. No, they're really stupid. Um, the first comments about wanting to hit his stylist on the head with a hammer and he wants to ship her intestines to her parents, pretty awful thing to say, but I think, like, the defense for that is, like, you know, comedians say stupid things that, like, that, that, that I, don't, I don't necessarily, like, I don't literally believe he wants to ship this woman's intestines to her parents, right? So right. bad comments, stupid thing to say, but... Yeah. In, in the sense of, like, comedians saying stupid things and, like, getting carried away. And his apology, which I also want to read, um, I think is, is, like, pretty much the fairest apology. You you know, like, again, for saying something bad, like, you can't take it back, but his apology, and then, Shereen, we'll, we'll, get, to, we'll get to it. But um, he said, quote, I am so sorry. I don't have anything to say. I want it to be more closer to the listeners and bring laughter to more people. Since we were only thinking about how to make people laugh, the things we said became more aggressive. I mean, yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's what it sounds like. He said we started to use more violent words. We didn't think about the people who would be hurt from the laughter, and only held complacent thoughts. I want to apologize for my careless actions. I also want to apologize for the families and the person who has been hurt because of our lack of care with our words. I promise that this will not happen again for the rest of my life. It's not something that I can take back, but I will carefully give back the love that people have given me. Always with a regretful heart, I will work hard to live fully. I apologize once again. So. Um, Does that uh, apology apply to all of those comments, or just the one about the stylist? Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. It's not. It's not clear here. Um, 
uh, certainly the one about the stylist, and he, he they talk about him making a visit to the lawyer's office of the accuser and explaining, uh, he said, I couldn't get in contact with the accuser's lawyer, so we weren't able to meet. Of course, I didn't have any intentions of asking her to withdraw the lawsuit. Bullshit. I just wanted to send my apologies. For those who are asking if I'm getting questioned by the police, the answer is yes, I will faithfully participate in police investigations. Um, and he's willing to take out whatever punishments and so forth. What? Look, the hairstylist is suing him? Uh, sounds, uh, I, it sounds like it. Uh, it's not explicitly clear here who the, um, who is, who's hired the lawyer, but based on the, the link that this page sends to, I'm inferring that it's, it's the stylist, but I could be wrong. Um, I am, uh, I did pass the bar, but I passed, uh, the bar in Illinois, which, uh, which does not require a fluent understanding of Korean or Korean law, so I'm, I'm a little limited in this. As, as opposed to most United States. Yeah, that's why, uh, that's why I, I couldn't find a job when I got out of law school, because <laughs> I, I just didn't know Korean law that well. That's right, New York bar, you gotta be all about, uh, DMZ regulations. That's right, so... The other key to finding a law job would have been not graduating in 2009, which was mm. the worst legal job market of blah, blah, blah. All right. So, uh, so Shireen, I, 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 I want to hear your take on this because, you know, we watch Dongman every week on the show, and he's, he's portrayed in a generally pretty positive light, and especially the comment about women being stupid. Um, this is, like, well beyond anything Jervis ever said about women and cows. I mean, I well, I don't think that he's necessarily portrayed positively. Uh, I mean, I think that the intention is for him to be portrayed positively, but I don't take it that way. Like, I think that his treatment of Ah Young, you know, throughout season three was pretty reprehensible. I think he was patronizing towards her. I think he treated her like she's stupid. I think he constantly made comments to her as though she was stupid. Her and Yanju is that the name of the other woman? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that he talked to both. He talked down to both of them as though they were both dumb, and. Um, and then I don't know if like we're missing something culturally or what, but then they like the two of them, the women, just kind of went along with it and played up like the ditzy act, um, which you know to to their credit at least like works for them socially to get far in the game. Um, but uh, how satisfying would it have been if Yonju had busted him in monorail like she should have? Oh, that would have been good. I would have been out of my chair screaming. Like it would have been. It would have been great comeuppance, but like for the sake of the story of the show, what they did with the editing there, with like the we're really sad that Dongman's getting eliminated. Here's his greatest moments and some sad music, and then he turns it around. Right. That was that was a great TV moment. Um, yeah. But but anyway, regardless, yeah. Um, uh, so so I want to kind of compare and contrast this because uh, you you very famously uh, were involved uh, in a situation with uh, with uh, with a bully on Survivor season thirty when. Uh, when Will Sims said some some absolutely horrible things uh, to and about you uh, that he he did not back away from when given many many opportunities to back away from them uh, and eventually gave a um, uh, what percentage of an apology was it wasn't half-assed it was what like a quarter-assed apology on the on the reunion show um, if that so I, I just sort of like from your experience being on a reality show um, certainly the you know there are there are Differences. You're, you're not only are you allowed to eat on the genius, but they give you hors d'oeuvres at the start of every episode. So you're not you're not inherently at like your worst self for the sake of TV on the genius. But but what do you think are some of the similarities and differences between what happened to you and and what Dongmin has said and how he has played the game? Well, I think that um, 
I think the major similarity isn't even between the the major event that happened with me in my season, which was with Will, uh, because Will treated me the way that he did because he's racist. Uh, he th didn't think I had a soul because I don't come from a Christian background. Uh, where I do now, now clearly, clearly, Air Force Shireen, do you in fact have a soul? Uh, you're not. You're not a redhead, so it's still true. possible. It's, uh, I'll have to bust out, I'll have to go to Dealer Nuna and do some Ouija to figure that out. <laughs> now, that's not a yes. That's not a yes. No. So, no, uh, yeah, okay, so. so. I think that where, and there, but I, I, what I did experience a lot on reality TV was there was a ton of sexism, a lot of which didn't make air. Um, and, uh, and Can you that talk more about that, about the sexism that you experienced? Yeah, like, for example, Joaquin um, on the original White Collar Tribe spent all day, every day, telling stories about his sexual exploits, his threesomes, his foursomes, getting arrested, getting busted out of jail by women who wanted to have threesomes and foursomes with him. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, Tyler would literally say to Carolyn and me all the time, just sit there and look pretty, when he would, and then, and not let us do things that he would then take over and almost... So, for example, like Tyler almost broke off Flint. When we finally got Flint, Tyler... Uh, I was the only person on White Collar who'd ever made fire using Flint before, and he knocked it out of my hand and took it, on his, and took it upon his own to try to make fire, almost broke it, and then he wouldn't listen to me at all because I don't have a penis, and so I had to speak through Max to Tyler for... So Max had to take the Flint away from Tyler... Uh, and then I wasn't allowed to touch the flint, so Max had to do all the work while I coached him and narrated how to make a fire with flint. Um, wow, no penis and no soul, but you do have a million dollars, so that's pretty cool. Yes, fact. So, <laughs> um, no, and like, and then the other thing that you didn't, and then like, but like the sexism doesn't just come from the men. Carolyn loved these guys. She saw that Joaquin was this attractive, young, cool-seeming guy. She saw Tyler as this, like, tall, handsome, you know, athletic, uh, stoic man. And, and she uh, fell for it. And so she didn't see all the overt sexism that I was seeing, and which is ultimately why she made a terrible choice in aligning with Tyler, who was somebody who not only could beat her in the end, to win, if she did go all the way with him, uh, because he is, you know, uh, a stoic, attractive man uh, with a penis, if I didn't mention that, but also because he's so sexist, he was never going to vote for a woman to win. And he's, like, said this, that if, it, like, he was considering voting for Will, and if, Dan, if it had been Will, Dan, and Carolyn in the end, right, like, two horrific people and Carolyn who played a baller game, Tyler still would not have given her his vote, because she doesn't have a penis. And she, to this day, I don't think sees that. I don't think she sees that that was the major flaw in her game. See, my um, understanding of Carolyn from watching the show was that if she had known that was the case, like, she's the kind of woman who would have cut off someone else's penis and been like, here, I got one now. Vote for well, me. <laughs> depending on whose penis it was, right? Like, she would have cut Max's penis off in a heartbeat. But, um, well, he was, he was often presenting it. So that was, uh, that was, that was the easiest <laughs> it, was, it was available for the taking. Could you imagine that? Like in, in the real world, though, that Tyler would actually have voted for Will over Carolyn in the finale with Dan there as the additional person? That seems just 
unbelievable. So, well, it's hard to it's hard to like based on what we know. Like it's yeah, yeah. I mean, if if Shireen's a fan who's telling us like watching the same show we're watching that that's the case, it's like you got to be out of your mind. But uh, you know, I, I my understanding is that you guys are on the island for more than just the the fourteen or so hours that the show is comprised of. Is that true? You're on the island for more than fourteen hours, Shireen. Can you confirm this? And then the rest of actually the rest of the time we're in Sangman's van, <laughs> eating hors d'oeuvres. Eating hors d'oeuvres. It's a, it's a, it's a surprisingly big van when you get a look at it. It's yeah. pretty spacious. It's bigger well, on the inside. Yeah, that's that's what he that's what he tells that's what he tells everybody before the before the chloroform rag comes out. That's what he tells. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carolyn's chloroform as she prepares to uh, <laughs> to exact her uh, yeah. Uh, but so, I mean, I think that like the the big comparison that I would draw here is that like this behavior is excused in this environment, in this in these kinds of environments on reality TV, and specifically in this kind of isolation. Um, you know, uh, whatever is cool, whatever sells, wins, and it doesn't matter. What it, it, it kind of goes back to like, like I think Stanford Prison Experiment. I think Nazis. I think you know like. Being a Nazi was cool in Germany during World War II, and therefore everybody went along with it. And so when you have, like, super racist Hitler will, you know, going off at me for not having a soul and assaulting me on the show, uh, perpetually coming... And it wasn't, like, a one-time thing. He had blown up at me before. He was perpetually coming after me and, like, and uh, denigrating me. Everybody thought he was cool. And so everybody, you know, went along with it, and... Um, I, you know, and, and Tyler, right, Tyler was overtly sexist to all the women, but because he seemed intelligent just because he was tall, attractive, and stoic with a penis, everybody respected him. And so I don't know if you guys watch Ponderosa, but in the Ponderosa videos you see the no-callers truly believed that Tyler was running the game. When Tyler actually loathed strategy, hated talking strategy, hated the idea of alliances, he was the person at the merge without an alliance. He was not included in the original blue collar alliance or in Rodney's, you know, new ragtag alliance. He was on the outs, and yet everyone just assumed. And and because of sort of like the stereotypical, he has the look of someone that you would imagine was running the game. Yes. Well, Mike Mike targeted him uh, in the vote where where you went out, right? Was that um, when when Tyler got you guys voted for Tyler in that vote to try to stir things up? Yeah, and the reason why is because he knew that like everybody thought Tyler was super strategic. The the people who thought Tyler was super strategic were people who never ever worked with him and never voted with him. So but then I why, was, why why did you why didn't you pick someone else in that vote then other than other than Tyler, someone who would have oh, felt more threatened like Rodney or something? No, because, uh, well, Tyler did feel appropriately threatened, and also, like, we were going after the biggest threat to win at that point. And at that point, even though he was, you know, shitty at the game, every single person on the jury up until then was going to vote for Tyler to win against anybody else. So the thing that I get struck by here is, so, Trina, it sounds like Will did this multiple times, and we only saw it once. Yes. Whereas on the genius, Dongman does this to Ayoung like every single week, including this episode when Ayoung comes back. Yeah. But and we see it, but it gets played she, off. She did like, get three grand though this time. Like she wasn't completely left out in the cold. That, that's true. But it, we 
but it gets played off as like, oh, it's just Dongmin being Dongmin. And and to me, it comes down to what Hyunmin says in that taped footage when they first tell him that Dongmin's going to be on the show, and he's like, yeah, I just don't think that guy is funny. All of his comedy is just kind of screaming at people. Yeah. <laughs> and like that, that ends up being a really accurate assessment. Like Dongmin, as a person, seems to be a pretty charismatic guy. As a guy who is trying to make jokes and be a comedian, it's just kind of off-putting, weird, screamy, uh, kind of misogynistic humor in, in any given opportunity. And the, then, that was something that I went through watching him was like the first couple episodes. It's like, who is this asshole? Why is he yelling? And why does he think everyone's just he can just tell everyone what to do? And of course, over the over the season, you see that he does it because he he knows he can get away with it, and it works for him. Um, and, you know, I feel that way a little bit with, like, when he, his interactions with Dealer Nuna, and I'm not sure what to make of it, because she seems to, like, I don't know if she's laughing because she's, like, in on the joke now, or if she, like, she's, like, so worn down that, like, you can either laugh or cry, and she's choosing, she's choosing to laugh, but, like, just the way that he, like, chinglia, chinglia, and, uh, you know, Shireen, do you think that that's, that's, uh, over the top, or do you think it's just in good fun, and, and he's coming in and being the comedian that, that he is? With Chinguya specifically, or in general? Just in his interactions with with, uh, the dealer. I think his interactions with the dealer are more of him, you know, yeah, trying to be funny, and then at this point it's also, like like he said, kind of becoming a jinx kind of a thing, where he feels like if he doesn't say it, he'll have bad luck. Um, In terms of her reaction to it, like, it seemed pretty clear that early on she didn't like it, Um, and now I can't tell if it's that, you know... It's like she loves that it's become a popular thing between the two of them, and so she's going along with it. Or Stockholm she just, Syndrome. Like, right, Stockholm Syndrome. She also like probably doesn't want to make a fuss, right? It is what it is, and there's nothing she can do about it at this point. And she yep. would look really bad if she did fight back kind of thing. And so she just, for whatever, whether she likes it or doesn't, like she goes along with it now because she doesn't have an alternative, right? As is often the case in women in these subjugated positions, quite frankly. Yeah. I think that there's a lot to that, especially because, like, if you imagine it coming in, Dongman has the reputation. He is a famous, popular comedian. Yeah. He's people that is culturally, he's someone who is culturally viewed as being a funny person. So if you're going to react extremely negatively to his usual humor on the show, people are going to be like, oh, but he's funny. Why don't you think he's funny? He's funny. What's wrong with you? We know he's a funny person, so that must have been a good joke. Well, it's also hard because Dongman is really smart, and he's got a better sense on social dynamics and about um uh the about he knows how to how to play a strong personality he knows how to how to turn confidence into action better than like anybody so um you know he has a he has a strong sense again of just like what he's going to get away with and and how it's going to play which serves him very well as a comedian i presume i mean uh, you know he's he's got like this, despite what we're saying about him, I think he does have a really strong sense of empathy, of being able to feel what other people feel, because he uses that um, largely as a tool to to manipulate people. He knows how you're going to feel or how you're going to react if he does this or that, and so he can do this or that, knowing ahead of time what the outcome is going to be. Well, the thing that's really annoying for me, and again, it's what I saw in Survivor, and I see it in real life all the time, and I'm seeing it on the show, is that he's going to keep doing it as long, right? Like as long as there's positive reinforcement. And as long as, like, everybody's going along with it and, like, lets him get away with it, it will continue until he's punished for it, right? And this is why, like, coming back to my story... you got to punch the in the face. Yeah. Right. Like, this is why, like, coming back to my story, like, it's horrifying for me to hear people say, oh, she should have just forgiven Will. Why would I forgive him when he's not truly sorry and he hasn't 
paid the price for what he's done, if, if people don't pay the price for inappropriate behavior, they will continue to do it. Yeah, I think the, the case... So the, the case for accepting the apology from Will is, is basically boils down to, like, are you okay with, like, people thinking that you're being a bitch on television? Which, fair or not, that's, that's like, what the, what the risk you're taking with, with your perception when you turn down his, like, his, his bogus apology on the finale. But right. from, from talking to you now and from seeing you on, on the show, my impression is that, like, you really don't care if people think that about you. You're, you're, so in that case, like, if, if I agree that, that you would one would deserve a better apology in that situation, and that that accepting his 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 little apology tour thing that he did there um, is is you know playing for TV. And if you're okay with with whatever impression that creates, fairly or unfairly, then that's fine. I mean, that's I think it's it's a very fair apology to turn down. But because it's on TV and this this. Uh, constricted environment of the reunion show of, of of a Survivor finale where you know with the reveal for the season 31 cast you've got a total of like 18 seconds to talk about everything that happened on the season that like right. your choice is basically accept this apology that you do, that's not a real apology and that you don't actually accept or now you're moving now now the roles are starting to shift and you're moving closer to villainy and he's moving close not to being a hero but you know like it's it, you're you're both moving closer towards the middle where everything nothing nothing really should be changing in terms of like who's the perpetrator and who's well and that's where I think the responsibility lies with Jeff Probst in terms of like calling bullshit on what's a bullshit apology not only is it clearly bullshit coming from him but also his wife is Jerry Springer style yelling at me from the audience denigrating me further and it's like yeah not a good look for her either I I. I, it seems um, it seems to prove the old saying that like every, everyone has a has a perfect match who they should marry. So right, and and <laughs> note that she's not been living on an island, starving, blah blah blah. Like all that this does is bring out the truer version of yourself. And in this case, I do think that because of the the negative perception that it could create for me by not accepting a bullshit apology, like that's where Jeff Probst is supposed to step in and say, oh, come on, this is bullshit, your wife's in the audience yelling at Shireen, like, that does not sound like a real apology to me, like, uh, and then, you know, gracefully move on. Like, sure, like, Jeff can say something like, he can say, like, uh, look, I don't, I don't know if this is the sort of thing that, like, a quick apology can fix, but would you two be amenable to, to talking about it in a more right. appropriate environment? Yeah. And, right. and then you can, both say, you can both say yes, and then, despite that, never talk to each other ever again. Right. And on that reunion, I think because of, so we had two people who said incredibly stupid things throughout the season, Will and Dan. Yeah. But because Dan said so many things where he tried to portray the show itself in a bad light and said that the show had edited him unfairly and the show wasn't right to him. Right. Survivor <laughs> decided they were going to stick it to Dan. And so right. Will was sort of a secondary figure. They wanted to have that moment, but they really wanted to invest the time in making Dan look like a jackass. And they didn't right. really care what happened to Will. And they didn't need to because Dan made himself look like a jackass. That was really... like, it was unnecessary to draw attention to that and to, to pull that out. Like, he was tremendously skilled. It was really weak, and it wound up actually making again. It wound up making Dan look like sympathetic until he opened his mouth and and you know continued talking about himself. But uh, you know it, it gave him an out to kind of be sympathetic when he got blindsided again at at the reunion. Um, but I'm guessing right. I'm guessing Dan is probably also not on your Christmas card list, Shireen. 
Uh, no, not quite. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. So if you're, if you're, um, you seem not to be on great terms with, with Tyler, with, with Joaquin, uh, who, who, aside from Max, who I presume you're still, you're still buddies with, who from your season, uh, would you like choose to hang out with, um, uh, or, or is like, is like a worthy person of, of, uh, you know, the sort of positive attention that we're talking about? Well, I mean, this is where it gets muddled because Tyler and I are actually okay, but then it's a question for me of like morals and principle, like, uh, like Tyler, you know, was there smiling while Will was bearing down upon me and verbally assaulting me, and Tyler to this day refuses to actually state that what happened was wrong, right? And, like, on top of that, he was also incredibly sexist and, like, revolting as a human being to play that game with for a long time. Um, and it's like, do I want to just ignore that that happened because now we've all moved on and, like, even though he's never, again, like, never apologized for it and I don't think he's grown at all from that experience... It's a struggle that I face. I think the fact that I'm talking about this openly on a podcast probably means that in Tyler's case, like, no, I'm not going to continue to be friends with him, um, nor should I want to be. I think in the case of other people, the majority of these people are cast for the show because they have various forms of ego disorders and they're bad people in various ways. And, and so there seems to be a compromise um, that you're making if you continue friendships with a lot of these people. I am friends with Max. Um, I am friends with Mike. I'm friends with Sierra. I'm friends with Jen. I'm friends with Haley. Um, some of those people are good people, and not all of them are. Well, and actually, that was one of the things that made your cast so interesting, the fact that so many of you have remained friends because of exactly what you just said. Yeah. The fact that, you know, especially in the United States, reality TV casting, for the most part, is based on casting a lot of people who can afford to take one or two or three months away from their jobs, yeah. which are normally people who have the types of jobs that don't really matter too much to them in their lives, which are often people who are kind of, I don't know, on the on the outskirts of society in some way, or like kind yeah. of on the and teachers of and also teachers. I will leave them out. <laughs> of this. Um, no, it's, yeah, it's like true. A lot of it's quirky, like quirky, quirky people, right? Mm -hmm. And like yeah, good. And and it also furthers their delusions that they're, you know, fabulous, amazing people, even though they're the outskirts of society in a lot of cases. Yeah, yeah I think people people <laughs> make the mistake that, like, they've been cast on reality TV because they're about to be stars, but they're cast on reality TV because they have a lot of personality traits that make them interesting, but those same traits would keep them from from having the, the sort of stock that would allow them to, to do the things you need to do to actually become a star. Right. And it's like, I will say this, like, the people that I, like, the friendships that I've made from the show that will be lasting are people who I think fabricated a little bit of their personalities throughout casting to ultimately make it on the show. So I'll say, for example, when I went through casting, I was coached to ham up my ego and to be um, more overtly confident about my accomplishments. And Did you follow the Dan Giesling How to Get on Reality TV guide? I didn't. I didn't even know who he was until a week ago. Really? Yes. Oh man. Drew, your next, do your next uh, watch series needs to be Big Brother Ten and Big Brother Fourteen. Okay. I've not seen those either. Don't feel that screen. I have no idea what he's talking about. They yeah. are great, especially. You need to watch Big Brother Ten to know what's going on in Big Brother Fourteen. But Big Brother Fourteen is one one of the most impressive 
uh, individual performances on any competition reality show ever, ever, yeah. ever. But I already know what happens in it. I know about Ian and Dan and the funeral. No yeah. spoilers. No spoilers. I forgot <laughs> what he even told us about how he did on Big Brother no, 14. No, no, that was good. I would say, so, okay, so I also watched it having already known what happened, and it didn't yeah. take anything away as far as I was concerned. It's really impressive when you see what he did. Okay. So let me ask you this then, and uh, I think the tagline on this podcast is going to be talking about the genius but also about Survivor, and, and why not when we have this great opportunity. Um, did you go through the standard casting uh, in the way that like an average person would have, sub- starting by submitting a video and hoping they call yeah. you back? Yes. And you I was did. first called back to go on Fans vs. Favorites 2, Kara Moen. Oh, you dodged and, a bullet. Right. That's what everyone says. But Were you going to be Reynold Topfer? Did, no. Did you get, <laughs> you got cut for Reynold? You have no idea. Like Everybody says, oh, you dodged a bullet. And so, it's so much better than you were on Season 30. Guys, I was Shireen on Season 30. What, did I really dodge a bullet? Did I? Well, you... Did I? Okay, well, let's say the fact that you, and I, this is without getting into anything that happens for 31, but the fact that you were on the season right before the vote for doing second chances probably was a good thing in the grand scheme of things. Well, I'll say this, though. Like, when you say, like, you were Shireen on season 30, like, you would have been Shireen on season 26. You wouldn't have been, like, what, Laura or whoever on season 26. You would have been yourself. So, you know, that that could be a change that really affects the dynamics. That's something that... Well, no, because, um, like, the, like the, who knows? Shireen of season 26 would have still been monkey sex and Jeff Probst Botox moment and, like, all these fun, goofy, weird things that do show my personality, by which I mean, like, like I still would have been a quirky, big character. Right, um, you, wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have been Eddie's girlfriend who got voted out in the first couple episodes. Right, as opposed to being the girl that everybody shit on constantly. That's true. <laughs> That I could imagine, like, your experience on the island would have been very, very different. But they still would have found the moments of your personality to edit into the show. There just well, that's the, moments that's that the point of the show. I mean, that's what you yeah. do on these shows, right? Like, like that's the thing. Like, you want to go and play Survivor? You know, you're, you're kind of making a deal with the devil because the only way to go and play this game... Um, and by the way, I, I would do it, so, so hi, Lynn. Uh, but uh, the only way to go and play this amazing game is you have to agree that, like... The, whatever you do out there, it's it's up to them how they portray it, right? So that's yeah. that's the risk that you're taking it, and sometimes it's fair, and sometimes it's it's unfair. Sometimes because you're the sort of person who get cast on this show, it's fair, but it seems unfair. I mean, see Foley, comma Dan, uh, <laughs> that, you know, like you're, but that's that's the deal. Like you want to play Survivor, you want to play for a million dollars. All right, but you're not in control of of your story and how you're portrayed to America at this point. Like that's that's the deal. Like it. Like, it, it's, that, that's it. Like, it's a deal, right? Like, there's the good and the bad. The good is you get to go play Survivor, have a chance to maybe win a million dollars or to, to go down as a, as a great player or even as a great loser if that's something that appeals to you if you can't win. Um, but the downside is who, who knows what the final perception you will be regardless of how you are out there. And you also, of course, don't know how you're going to react under the pressure of being out there. I, pres- I mean, I, again, having not been out there, but but hearing enough stories that, like, it's real and you're really not eating and you're really not sleeping. Like, I'm not at my best when I don't eat or sleep. I have a baby due in a week and a half, and, like, probably by the finale of the season, like, we'll have a podcast where I'm just yelling at Mike for for 90 minutes until I realize that um, <laughs> until I realize that my computer's not on and I've just been yelling at my microphone in, a, in an empty room. Wrong Mike. Wrong Mike. Um yeah, hey, I had to get a colonoscopy once, and I was a big jerk 24 hours in, so I can only imagine what it would be like oh, after 39. You had a 24-hour colonoscopy? Yeah, I know. Awesome. What's your doctor's name? I want to call him. That sounds... <laughs> oh, man. 
I the the thing that comes to mind to me here is I I've come up with the fan fiction in my head, Shireen, of why you didn't end up on Caramoan, and I've decided it's because you went to the final round and they were like, so Shireen, what would you do with the million dollars? And you were like, I have this awesome idea for a bar, and you can bring your dogs. And, gonna call it, and they were like, oh, we've already got one of those. We'll save you for another season. Right. No, actually, I was cut uh, before, right before flying out to finals for that season. Um, I think for a number of sort of complicated reasons, but um, but ultimately, like the Lynn didn't think I was ready, and also at the time I was um, unemployed slash doing my own startup, and it didn't seem ambitious to somebody outside of tech. Um, when I then gave up on my startup and started working at my current job at Yahoo, um, it regenerated a lot of interest from casting. And lo and behold, for white collar, blue collar, no collar, they needed some successful women. Uh, and that's typically a demographic that they don't cast for at all, right? Like their uh, pile of resumes. Sherry Beathman, Sherry Beathman, who got your spot on Survivor 26. She owns sure. some, uh, some pretzel stores. Except she's also, like, twice my age. Oh. So, <laughs> um, right, like, they need, like, a, a good age spread, and uh, and she's not really twice my age. It's, but, but she, you know, she's in the older woman category, and I'm not. And um, anyway, um, word up to me, I would have chosen to be on that season instead of season 30. Casting is... is... <sighs> Casting is rough, right? So I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before. I would talk about it all the time because it's like one of my favorite things I've done. But I was on a game show uh, about uh, about three years ago, and uh, it was it was just a blast. Like after years of trying to get on Jeopardy and and other trivia shows, I got on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Um, like I thought really? I was never going to do it. Yeah, I, I got on. I I won uh, I won a, a good chunk of money right when we were expecting our, our first child. So. Um, it was really wonderful, but like the casting process there was like super easy. But uh, but um, within the last year, I was very deep in casting for another trivia game show, not Jeopardy. Um, and I was actually uh, I was cast on the show, and they they had emailed me all my information. I had uh, my plane ticket was set, and I was I was going to fly out. It was literally the day before I was supposed to fly out, and they called me and canceled on me. Um, so you know it's it's such a <sighs> It's such a, a roller coaster ride with casting because you know the casting person you're dealing with, for the most part, they like you, and the yeah. people who work in casting are such bubbly, ebullient people, and and they're really easy to get along with. That's why they're hired. They 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 have these great personalities that bring people out of their shells because they want to see the biggest, uh, most most TV ready version of yourself. So so you're dealing with people who love you and are telling you all these great things, and but at the end of the day, they're making a TV show and they really don't care about you. Like they, their personal preference as human beings would be not to like walk you up to the doorstep and then like slam the door in your face. Like as people, they don't want to do that. But ultimately, they want to they want to cast the show the best way they can cast that show. That's their priority. That's all that they're really trying to do. Um, and you know, I found that out in a way that was that was you know tough at the time. Um, but you know, with Survivor, I have to imagine it's a, it's a hundred times worse when you're like you think you're about to get on Survivor and they're like, well, we don't think you're ready yet. Because right. at any given point, like however old you are, that's the oldest you've ever been. Like that's the most ready you've been to that point. I've not right. been more ready than this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I also think that I was more ready back then than I was for 30. I was in way better shape. And also the fact that I didn't have a high-stress job at the time. Right? I'm a race like, car driver. 
I was, uh, you know, working for myself, like, uh, and, you know, I was still, I was working hard, but I was my own boss, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think casting is one of those things that, like, um, and again, having not been through casting for a major reality show, but I think it's one of those things that, like, is a complete mystery to people who've not been through it. It's a yeah. mystery, like, as you're going through it. And then when you're, like, when you're, once you've been through it, but you're now, like, a disinterested party, it's like, oh, like, that kind of, I kind of understand how this works. You know, yeah. like, well, I might yeah. understand how they arrive at their decisions, but, like, I, I get how the ingredients get mixed in. Right. Yeah, I do, and yeah, I, I think that's definitely true, and I do understand a lot more about the casting process and the kind of people that are interesting to casting. Um, I will say also that, like, I've been very lucky in my casting experience, so even though it took me 10 years of applying to finally get on, once I was in front of people's faces, it was then smooth sailing for me. So the second that I went to finals, I went very easily through finals, uh, got on season 30. Most people then spend years, some of them up to 15, 16 years, to get back on. I then pretty easily got right back on, right? And, like... Um, in that sense, I had a very easy time with casting once I got my foot in the door. Um, Do you have any advice to people? I mean, you know, a, a lot of people have these, like, fantasies of, of getting on these shows. Do you have any advice to, to people who, who think they might be able to do something on one of these shows who, like, if only I could get someone's attention? Um, do, you have, do you have any words of wisdom? I mean, they do really watch all the videos that are submitted, um, the, the casting team for Survivor. And the the question is just, like, how entertaining are you? How snappy is your video? Do you stand out? Do you fit into one of the traditional buckets? Uh, or do you defy buckets in a very interesting way? Um, I think that, like, uh, one thing that was sort of eye-opening for me when I was putting my video together is they didn't want some long, drawn-out story that showed, you know, my personality in terms of, oh, this one time I did this one adventurous thing or this one time I did this one sneaky thing. They want hard-hitting sound bites. And uh, or for me anyway, for the for the type of role that I was getting cast for, right? Um, so give and, us an example. Uh, <laughs> give me a give me a like a a bad version and a soundbite version of something. Oh, I mean, like like something like I play Survivor in real life. I fired somebody. Boom, right? Like something, an interesting version of that, right? Like, but like in two sentences, like you you know you set yourself up and then you slam dunk for yourself. Um, and it might, and the, I mean, the other, like, the big advice is, like, you have to be willing to speak about yourself with a level of ego that a lot of normal people, functional people don't have. Right? I don't like, know. I don't really see that from, like, Dan Foley, like, thinking he's, he's that great. Well, <laughs> um, right, but I think that most of us who have jobs where we have to work with other people and be collaborative... Like, wouldn't walk into a room, like, flop our giant penis onto the desk in front of Lynn Spillman and be like, I'm better than you. Right? Little but, little like... Fact, was, that, was that what Ozzy did? That's... <laughs> oh, you got me. I, I was actually going to say, little known fact, that's actually how Yule Kwan was cast. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that? Uh, <laughs> um... You know, and, like, if you're a bikini babe, like... Guilty. Work with what you've got, right? Like, that's not what I've got, so I've got to do other shit yeah. to, like, 
That's why you didn't wear the bikini. One other question here, Shireen. My impression is that Yahoo has TV. When is Yahoo going to buy the rights to the Genius for the United States and start showing the Genius? Let's do it. You and Andrew Savage need to get going on this. Right. I'll turn them on to it. I'll get back to you. That would be great. (laughs) Any any company in America that wants to buy the rights to the Genius and make the American Genius, I will be very happy about it. I I actually worry about that, though. I again, like I worry about the way that it would be cast. I worry that they wouldn't. I worry that they wouldn't cast a bunch of smart and creative people, but rather they would, you know, cast beautiful people. Well, look at how they cast the mole, right? Because we had three seasons of, like, regular only, people on the mole. I've and only then seen two the first se- season of the mole, the Anderson Two seasons season. of Corbin Burnson and Stephen Baldwin. You've only seen the first season of the mole? Yes. Do you know what happened in the other two regular seasons? No. Watch it. Go track them down and watch them. They're, they're, they're good. It's a fun okay. show. All yeah, and they, they weren't first casting. Seasons are really good. They weren't casting for bikini babes. I mean, they were cast. You know, they, they were attractive people on the show, but they were casting for people who would be interesting to watch playing that game. That's a more, um, it's a more cerebral game than Survivor. Um, you know, the it's 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 less about social politics. I mean, there there's social politics involved, but it's not it's not about surviving the elements. It's not about wearing bikinis. It's not you know it's it's right. it's more directly okay. about the game of it. Whereas Survivor, a lot of times, you know, like, as much as I love the game of Survivor, the show wouldn't be as good a show if they just focused on the strategy because you're missing the the elements that combine to the social atmosphere that leads to the outcomes and that leads to the strategy. Which, again, right. we, we, I'm sure we could talk for a long time about this, but, like, uh, whenever someone on a, on a Survivor strategy podcast says, like, well, they should have, like, done this and that and that, it's like, they're not chess pieces. Like, you've got actual social relationships with these people. So it's it's not that simple. But on the mole, it kind of is, because if you figure out who the mole is, like you'll do well on the quiz and you won't get executed from the show. So right. the mole, But the, the mole's casting was, you know, they cast smart people who were... Um, who were you know suspicious enough that they could have been the mole, um, and then you've also got you know they're they're smart so they can figure it out. You've got different kinds of smart. You've got you've got people who are really street smart. There's a character uh, in season five, the third regular season, uh, Paul, who's like a like a, I think a radio host or something from New York, who was like just really on the ball sharp, but who I don't know if you could have added two and two together. Um, and, and just like that, that kind of casting. And again, I guess the counter argument is like the mole didn't work. Like it's, it's gone and dead and buried and forgotten about, but it's been done. Like we've, we've put together casts of people who were appropriate for, for the show that's being produced. So I, like, I think that's a legitimate concern and it's certainly something that could happen, but it's also possible that they get it right and they get the right mix of people. I'm more concerned that it would be a celebrity show because then I don't get to play because I'm not famous. Right, I do think that that'd be like another disservice to the show if it was pure celebrities, right? Yeah, Corbin Burnson and Stephen Baldwin again, and Kathy Griffin and right. Dennis Rodman <laughs> and and you know uh, Pendulette. Although actually Pendulette, I, I, that's fine. You can cast him. Uh, uh, but, oh, but another thing that like, but you're talking about the shows that reminded me though is what I like about the genius over Survivor is that also. Survivor has this added layer of inherent sexism because of how physically demanding the show is, and specifically the challenges, Mm. right? Like, when you have physical challenges that often require brute strength uh, and agility and speed, things that men are typically better at and are certainly perceived to be better at, then you're going into a game where men have this added layer of protection in the beginning that women do not have. 
Yeah, right? but it's it, it, the converse is that after the merge, when it's an, an individual game, that becomes a liability for some of those same guys. Unless, you know, I mean, sure, like one point, of the like, last 17 challenges to get, to get to the end, but, like, that generally doesn't happen, so. But that means that, like, but the, the larger point here is that, like, men go farther, right? Like, Sure, um, and, and that means that you're going to have more men on the jury, so more men are going to be deciding who wins, and the winner yeah. is a lot of what tells us like what's good or not good about Survivor contestants. So, um, yeah. you know, I think that's a valid point. But like in terms of like an actual contestant's chances, it's been a pretty even split of men and women winners. No, it hasn't been. No, it's like eighteen twelve. Is it eighteen twelve? Yes, it's something no, ridiculous. No, I gotta look this up. I, let me let me look this up real quick. Right, while this, you're looking uh, it up, one thing that I think uh, so talking about international editions of the Genius, we talked to Ian. I think this was off the air last week, but Ian's of the impression that we might be close to getting a British version of the Genius, which I think would be a pretty interesting country to see them do it. They've got an interesting culture of like clever celebrities and clever quiz show types from TV shows. And quiz shows are huge there, right? Yeah. That's like their yes. main you could, thing. You could draw an interesting crowd of people from British quiz shows to make a cool version of the genius. I think that'd be pretty compelling. Yeah. You're right. It is 12. I thought it was more. It used to be more more even, didn't it? I mean, we've had more male winners in more recent seasons, right? Well, Maybe yes, since Denise. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's only been, it's only been uh, Natalie's been the only woman who's oh, won. Oh, yeah, so. Natalie, of course. Yeah. And she used, was up against up two other women, and if she had gone up against Keith... Keith would have won. That's it. Uh, if she had been eliminated, it had been Keith and Jackie and, and Missy, then Keith would have won. You, you think Natalie would have would have lost to Keith if they were both there together? Yes, and it's been well established, and even she, I think, has admitted this. She's probably gone back on it because, again, ego, reality TV, but, yeah, no, for sure Keith would have beaten her. And if you look at the stats of when a man goes up against a woman in the end, 70% of the time a man wins. Basically, if you're not Russell Hans and you're going up against women, you win. Or Boston Rob that one time. I think, isn't Big Brother the same, that like no woman has ever beat a man in the final two? Mike, is this, have you heard this? I don't know. That that sounds totally plausible. I The like starting staff of my Big Brother knowledge is Big Brother seasons 10 and 14, though. Yeah, but it, it makes sense, because according to my, my hero, Jing Dongmin, uh, women are stupid, so they lose to men in terms of their, their brains, right? Have we agreed on this obviously. so far? Yeah, obviously. Well, there you go. There you have it. Go team. Fighting. All right, so, so uh, Mike, we got to start prepping for our uh, Survivor South Pacific podcast. I, I think I uh, we're, we're doing this uh, this podcast on a Google Hangout. And for the first time, we've actually got the video turned on, and I just see your eyes glazing over. Um, so <laughs> That's right. Now the, we're video's, the video is not going to be published with the podcast, right? It's just no, not. just the audio. No, 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 no. But we're going to – I think Mike needs a standing eight count. He's being very polite and not excusing himself to go to bed because uh, you have to be at work in, what, about about 30 minutes now? Oh, exactly. And I've got to host the South Pacific podcast coming up here. Yeah. Right? Well, it's it's 2 a.m. where you are. For for real, it's it's now after 2 o'clock where it's, you are. It's my bedtime. So. Yeah. Um, all right, so so we'll excuse Mike. We'll excuse the podcast for this week. So, uh, final thoughts, Shereen. Anything else you want to say to uh, to our star-crossed lovers holding hands and sharing your phones in Vienna or or any of our other listeners across the globe? Fifteen percent in South Korea. Infinite is actually quite good. Have you heard wow. any Infinite songs? I gotta now. I have to Google them. Yeah, they're on iTunes, and I like. I, they're not on Audio or Spotify that I can find. But on iTunes, I just go through and listen to the preview of all the songs, and they're and they're reasonable. Yeah. Okay. Anybody in that band who's any good? Uh, <laughs> there's this fat guy. Nope, different band. That's Super um, Junior. Yeah. <laughs> Super Junior. Uh, <laughs> no, Infinite might be my second favorite Korean 
pop band whose name starts with the letter I after Idiot Tape. Oh, oh burn. I, my two-year-old play. keeps asking me, play genius music, play genius music, and I got I to gotta play Melody by Idiot Tape. And yeah. I also call him Hubei, and he calls, he calls uh, my wife Mommy Nuna. Can I one so one more question for me before we before we head to our, our wrap up here. So obviously we've talked about like this is a celebrity game show. To us are not really celebrities because we none of us know Korean culture. But Sangman is like a former boy band member. If they were to cast an American version of the genius, who do you think the Sangman analog would be? What former boy band member would they end up casting on the genius? It- you're not gonna let us say Justin Timberlake, right? Can't be Justin Timberlake, no, because evidently, like Sangman's like was like the least famous member of Rura. Oh. Well, well I can't maybe... name the least famous member of any any Ooh, American I, boy bands. I, oh, maybe like Nick Lachey or Lance. No, it's gotta be. Oh, who Joey was on New Kids on the Block? Who I've not heard of. Wait, let's Ooh. look at New Kids. New Kids on I, the Block. I'm gonna me, say I think some random like names here. Slam dunk Joey Fatone all day long. Joey Fatone is on the American <laughs> Genius. Yeah, we, we can uh, send him a postcard to his van and ask him if he wants to be on a South Korean <laughs> game show. That's actually right. They'll do Genius Season 5 in Korea, but they'll still cast Joey Fatone. He'll just have yeah, it's going to it's gonna be like Rob versus Russell, Sangman versus Joey Fatone. <laughs> It'll be like the Saturday Night Live sketch of the guy appearing on the Japanese game show. Just have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was what Chris Farley's absolute yeah. best. All right, so um, as we wrap up, um, any anything to promote, Shireen? Any any uh, media appearances? Any TV shows you're going to be on anytime soon? Anything like that? Nothing. All right, so let's move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, of course uh, you can catch Shireen um, on uh, on CBS. She'll be in the audience for all future Big Brother live shows. Um, so you can. That's right. You're a huge fan of the show after you watch seasons ten and fourteen. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, for, yeah, for <laughs> Genius Guests with Scott and Mike, I'm Scott along with Mike and Shereen Asgui. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at who is Scott Green. Mike is at Michael Botta, B-O-T-T-A. Shereen is at the Shereen, T-H-E-S-H-I-R-I-N. Um, you can uh, join us on, on the Genius Reddit, reddit slash r slash the genius. And uh, remember to name your kids after us. And go check out Shireen's AMA from when she was voting, or when she was encouraging the vote over at r slash Survivor Circle Jerk. Wait, wait. Is, what, the, what? Yep, good, just go check it out. Just go What's, check it what out. Is, what is, what, what? Oh, it can't be explained. What? You, just have to, you just have to go see it. Just no, 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 no. After the Ashley Madison thing, I'm not just typing Survivor Circle Jerk into my browser. That's fair. That's fair. It's where the Survivor chatters on Reddit go to just make fun of each other and just be weird. It's a good what? time. Uh, all right. Is this, is this true, Shireen? It's a good time? It's, yeah, a, a fabulous time. Yeah, see, she, does, she doesn't need your votes anymore, people, so she doesn't have to yeah. pretend. Well, I'll say this. So, like, on Reddit, if you want to give something a positive vote, it's called an upvote. Uh, on r slash Survivor Circle Jerk, it has a different name. Shireen, w- what is the name of an upvote on that on that forum? An upvote is called an up, Shireen. That's right. <laughs> and a downvote is called, like, a, a downwill, I think is right I think something like that, yeah. Basically, like, Shireen's the hero of r slash Survivor Circle Jerk. It's great. You should go check it out. All right. All right. Well, um, good good knowledge in case I ever get on Jeopardy. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, well, thank you so much for joining us, Shireen. It's been a pleasure. Um, you know, if we, ever, if we ever do more with this podcast than The Genius, and honestly, I don't think there is more one could do with a podcast than talk about The Genius. Or even if we stick with The Genius, uh, we'd, we'd love to have you back again. You've, you've been a lot of fun. Um, so uh, uh, 
yeah, I don't know. I'll just leave it with that without giving you a chance to say no. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, everybody, for Genius Cast with Scott and Mike, and today with Shireen. I'm Scott signing off. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great one. Fighting. <laughs>